0: Merry Christmas, Max. Not really, but almost there.
1: Yeah. Uh, We're like, uh, what, two weeks off? A week off? I have my Christmas lights on. It feels like I just talked to you this morning. Yeah, it's almost like we just talked for, what, three hours? But, But
0: yeah. At least you had a change of wardrobe. I'm still in my hamburger truck.
1: JB Cattopallo. I was kind of like, oh, probably i, I was going to change to my hoodie anyway because it's cold you know but i was like yeah i'm change hoodies, so they don't know it's the same day but yeah it's the same day absolutely well, you know what let's get on with it we got a lot
0: more rc to talk about let's drop that intro nitro is the glory but e pays the bill. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing, but be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this. Uh-oh. It's hard to, to be say. arrogant when you're always right. Yeah. See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you <laughs> arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join on. your host, Leslie the Great, with co-hosts and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our series. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. 100 bucks right here, $100 throw. Oh no! I like this Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 264. The No Name RC Podcast, and I'm your host Kina White, aka Lefty the Great. And Over to my left is Santa's little helper, Max Morton.
1: How How Hi, Maxie. Everyone, everything.
0: Yeah, this is our. I, I was sp-
1: reading. I, I was reading the professor. Everything. Mm-hmm.
0: This yeah. is our second session of recording here for the day, uh, because this is a podcast that we had to break up into two sections, yeah. and yeah. We're here to record because we still have some races to talk about, some RC news to talk about that we couldn't get done in our first three hours. And we have some questions to answer today. So without further ado, let's just get right into it and say thank you to everybody that supports us. First off, thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. Without you guys, none of this is possible. Thank you for all the support over the last five years. It has been greatly appreciated. And we look forward to continue for years and years to come. Also, a big thank you to the NNRC patrons YouTube members who go the extra mile. If you wish to support the podcast a little bit financially, you can by going to the, Patreon, uh, the links in the written description of this podcast. Also, companies that support this podcast, we thank you. Thank you very much. We couldn't do it without you either. Thank you for all your support. If you're a company you think this is a great platform to advertise on, send me a mail, send me an email, shoot me a message, whatever you want to do, smoke uh, signals. Telegraph, send it by Raven. I don't care. Send me a message. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Cy Wonder Fuel, Hot Race Tires, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Stacked RC, Donathan RC, Racecraft USA, the Florida RC Championships, Elite RC Productions. Shout out to my boy SJ Racing, and uh, Dream Shout Jr. Get your cars built by him the House of RC RCGP our drivers Dave Rofolk Jared Tebow, Robert Baddier, Alexander Hagberg and Maddie G. We have links for all of those companies in the written description of this podcast. Some of you can save some money some give us some money some don't have anything besides a link. If we do purchase anything from these companies, just let them know that you heard about it on the no name RC podcast All right Max um since we nothing has happened and developed in the last three two and a half hours since we last talked, yeah. I'm just gonna go right into oh I did forget one thing. Did you see that Borak was in an accident?
1: Oh yeah, it happened at EOS. Yeah, um, Borak so, and a couple of other
0: French drivers he was traveling with, they got the car got hit.
1: Yeah, well it was uh it, it was uh, Wesley when Hellman's uh birthday. Mm. So they had gone out and uh I don't, I don't know what happened. Whatever happened, oh no! Um, there was five people in the car, so there was Wesley, Borak, and uh, Colin. Can't remember his last name, and then these two French drivers. Uh, and these two, both of these French drivers were got hit really bad, so they they were in the hospital for a while. Um, but luckily, everyone's alive. Everyone's uh, good. Now inhaling, so yeah, I regress. I apologize. There was
0: not another car involved. It was ice on a corner, and they lost control.
1: Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. That there wasn't another car.
0: I apologize. I don't.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what happened, but yeah, obviously it's an unfortunate accident.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Luckily,
1: luckily, in the end, the thing that got the most damage was the car, not the people inside.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I saw that Barack like hurt his arm, and then the other drivers kind of. All right, they're uh, you
1: yeah, know, they're, got,
0: they were in the hospital I, a little longer.
1: Yeah, I, at least one of the French drivers uh, broke rib, ribs. Um I'm not sure about the other, but yeah, two two got two people got hurt really bad. But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but they, I believe they're out of the clinics and they are good, and they are yeah. home. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. not good, but you know, got some recovery to do. So shout out to Borak Kilic and the Kilic family and uh. All those guys involved in that. All right, Max. Uh, all right. So we're gonna go right into this. I don't think we should dilly-dally or yeah. scallywag around. We should just go right into RC News because we still have some RC News, silly season to talk about. A couple of races we're gonna talk about EOS Dawn, uh Florida Carper Championships, full bro. And then we are gonna, yeah, we're just gonna try to do this and geek out. We didn't want to do a six-hour pod, we wanted to split it up. Being as, you know, we're probably not going to record again. We Well, I know we're not going to record again until 2023. And then it's probably going to be after I come from Beast to the East and all that stuff. But we yeah. will do a Christmas show next week, Thursday at 4 p.m. And then I will do a, uh, I think in the following week, I'm going to do my last Lefty off the record. And we will do it from, um, that will probably be the 28th, I think it is. And then I have to, I need to take some time and chill out. And then yeah. I'll get races in January all right Max um so with that said I say we go right into our RC news and our RC news is brought to, brought to us by hightech RC and invisiblespeed.net invisiblespeed.net will have have now got Ryan Lutz and Bruno Coelho on board to do their to help them out with the I guess the online clinics we want to call them so make your speed visible at invisiblespeed.net we do have an affiliate link click it there let's talk let's, let's hear from Joseph what he says about it Stop scrolling, you nerd! Learn something new with Invisible Speed. Are you the driver of this car? Yes sir, why? You just uh, won a free alignment. I had my car touched by JQ and now I don't feel safe.
1: I can say that he didn't didn't prove his time in 10 seconds and his best lap.
0: Last question, would you recommend the Invisible Speed course? Yeah, for sure. Spend your money. Good spend.
1: If you want to learn more and make your speed visible,
0: stop scrolling. Stop scrolling, you Lewis Hammerlund. All right, so thank you to InvisibleSpeed.net. There is a link for that in the written description of this podcast. Also, thank you to High Tech RC for all their continued support of 2023. They have a new servo coming out. We greatly appreciate the support. They are making a push into RC racing, they have been around for 50 years. Next year will be 51. Thank You high tech RC. There is a link in the written description for this podcast to find stores that sell them, but you can probably find them at A-Main. Even if you buy any products from them at A-Main, let them know that you heard about it on the no-name RC podcast. And uh, I really do like this charger. I have the other one that I need to use, but I've heard nothing but positive, positive information about it. And they have that new uh 951. Sorry, I can't remember. I had it, just had it. The new server that they're dropping on them for them to drop the official press release on the new server and max likes his servers too and he says i got, got some big things planned coming up in 2024 all right max so we left off with some news uh we talked about previous things i heard but let's let's start this off with a, with a bang the afra agm was held while we was away i know you made some posts by the way we have a rant because one of your posts got me in trouble. Actually, two of your posts got me in trouble. But I think you made a really great post all weekend, all the time that your posts are great and they got a lot of engagement. But it triggers people. By the way, I'm not the it only does. one that posts people, posts stuff on the NNRC. This guy does too. But we'll talk about that in our rant briefly. Uh, the This is one topic that actually uh, caused quite a stir. Uh, was the 40 plus euros with a control tire. I, I I do not understand why one scale is so so scared of this.
1: I do not understand it. Yeah, it's it to me it's crazy. Like there there is one and one class only, which has open tire, and that's eight scale off road. And for some reason, people have this image in their mind that oh, for this class, uh, it's so different from all the other classes that. It's just no point in running control tires. Like to me, it's uh pretty insane. I don't understand why people are opposed it, and yeah, it's it's just silly. I I've gone to these European championships so many what how many times now? Uh, I'd say I've done ten euros. Mm -hmm. I think I've done ten euros. So uh, each time you pack basically a bag full of just tires. And without doubt, every single time, like I've had almost no tires that were the best for the track. Okay. So it's like no point that like people have so much tires to go to one race. And most of them don't work. I do understand that tire manufacturers like that because they sell tires that never get used. I I like the hobby shops in Finland. All of the hobby shops have, I'd say, like anywhere from 50 to 100 sets of tires from the past Euros that -hmm. they had to sell at a loss because they had to buy them because the drivers in Finland asked, like, uh, like that they support, you know, asked them to uh like have these tires with them at the Euros, and this happens at all levels. You know, like I bet if those tires were at the hands of the hobby shop, they would be at, at the hands of some driver that I've never used them. You know, so it's it's just a completely silly thing to have uh, open tires. Um, another thing is that, like, it most most of the time it's not even fair to the drivers there because some drivers. Um, have factory support you know so or are friends of a manufacturer so for example when any of these manufacturers go to the euros they pack a certain amount of dry, uh, tires with them so I've been at a situation at the race where uh, I was a team driver of a brand but there was a certain amount of sets of tires left and I had to sort of like they said, okay, you have two sets for the remainder of the race and there was rounds of qualifying left. So I had to kind of pick, like, do I want to use the set on qualifying or to, and then I have to gamble that I have to bump up with a tire that doesn't work, you know? Or, like, do I struggle with qualifying and then hope I get into the main I'm supposed to be in? Because that manufacturer who was sponsoring me did not have tires for all of their drivers because the tire they brought the most Uh, wasn't the one that uh, I was actually used. So not even is it unfair for those who have to pay the full price for their tire. It's also unfair for those who are team drivers uh, of some companies.
0: Yeah, this meets so much resistance. No, I'm not saying that every race in the world has to be spec tire, but I think every world championship, every European championship that I know of, and even the most non national championships they are all spec tire, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It it let's. I'm gonna finish off on of this, and then we'll move on. It. I think some people like I, I saw one comment say, "Oh, I did a spec tire, and it just didn't work because the tire sucked." Well, the tire sucks for everybody, right? And then it kind of separates. I think here's here's what it separates. It separates a good driver and good setup guy versus a guy who just throws tires on his car and goes fast. Right? Yeah. There's plenty of races out there that do it. I've heard, I remember Ryan Mayfield at Wiki Weekend when I was having a chat and he's like, I think all time, uh, I'll this. He, he is a big proponent of spec tires. He says he understands that these companies have to make money and he wants to make, as he wants to represent his brand as much as possible. But he says for things to be absolutely 100% fair at these races, it's at these big races, and he just said like a nationals, a worlds, and a Euros, it should be a spec tire. So kudos to Afro. They're starting up with the 40 plus Euros and I hope it filters down to all the Euros. Yeah. And then I hope you see it in the national level.
1: Yeah, and I, I just want to add up to this, oh, what if the tire is shit? It's like, I think it's down to, like, the federation to really... Because as long as the tire is good quality, so the gluing is good, the wheels are good, and there is not, like, a ridiculous amount of tire wear, like, as long as it's that, there's no matter in what how the tire is you know it can be slippery it can be a little bit tricky to drive you know but like as long as long as it's like decent to drive i do understand when it's super high grip and if people are gluing the sidewalls and stuff like that yeah that's obviously dumb but i think like when you do spec tire you have to really put in the effort to test which tire is good but if that's done to like an average level, of, like good procedure, like the spec tie is gonna be so much easier, so much cheaper, and it's gonna level the playing field a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Uh, moving
0: on, we have no more super pro for. Is it just for one eight scale? Which sucks.
1: I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, the Super Pole was introduced to one tenth, uh, track IC and one eighth track IC. So basically, uh, Nitro on road classes. It was introduced some time ago. Um, but now it's, uh, off. And, um, did they have from, a reason for it real quick? Yeah. So from what I understood, the, I, I mean, the proposal, as far as I remember, didn't really have any reasoning, uh, at least to that didn't go too in depth. But basically, it was that they felt that people had engines that were specified for Super Bowl. So mm. all these top drivers, they would bring an engine to the race that had, like, terrible mileage, but a ridiculous amount of power. So basically, it could have, like, three minutes of mileage, mm-hmm. uh, but then the power was good. So they would put it only on for the Super Bowl. Got gotcha. So gotcha. I think okay, I can see where that, that makes you know, makes it
0: expensive for the regular person.
1: Yeah, obviously, I don't think it's that big of a deal, like because like ninety nine percent of the time, the guy who's in the Super Bowl is a pro driver, you know. But yeah, I do. I don't understand get it either. The argument I do understand, like the argument that it's silly that everyone has to bring a engine that they would only run if it happens that they make the Super Bowl, you know. Well, not too worried about that. Ten scale
0: offered Euros in Malmö, Sweden. This is where the where the last Swedish Nats were held and where the Kofrafo helped happen Hap, Hap between Ranafalk and Paulson. We'll talk about a little bit on that on the rant because I have something to say about that. Eight scale offered Euros in Sasil. Is that that's Ongaro's Angaro. race? Yeah, yeah Angaro, Angaro, So it's okay. back, it's back at Ongaro's race. This is like the third yeah. time in since 2015.
1: Yeah, in 2025, it's most likely in um, uh, Figurator's track. What's that called? Oh, no. oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. But they haven't. They had a Euros two years ago last year. Yeah, I know. So it's like these the, are the only it, tracks
0: that are bidding.
1: I know. Like, but it's it's not really that they're the only tracks that are bidding because there are other tracks that would want it, you know. But they have bid and they don't get it, you know. Mm. Mm, interesting. Uh, all right. And Paul
0: Warsley, no, no confidence vote did not go through. I'm shocked at this because I think the I know a lot of this came from the BRCA guys. I think mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So he yeah, he so is the from BRCA, the BRCA. Yeah. So the BRCA representative um, presented a no confidence um, like vote yeah, to get know, him voted was, out because he's yeah, like but then he's kind of no old, one, right? Yeah, but no one seconded the no confidence vote. And then after that, they had uh, a vote for like the president, uh, chairman or whatever. And he, he got voted into another term, I believe. So I know people were uh, not happy with him after this last 10 scale Euros. Yeah. He's a very particular type of guy. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't like met, met him recently because I haven't run 10 scale. But I think before he was quite okay. I think he was a bit too nitpicky with the rules. He left, like the rules had a bunch of loopholes that wasn't dealt with correctly. Um, mm-hmm. But then he was still really nitpicky with the rules. So it was kind so, of like silly a lot of the times. And yeah. the 10th scale has always had like insane rules, like no clapping during the race, uh, no commentary during the race, you know. Like you couldn't like if there was an A main going, if you was in the crowd, you were not allowed to clap or yell, yell anything.
0: Oh, Well, he would not have approved of the twelve scale worlds, uh. Yeah. So, because yeah. yeah, well, anyway, um, yeah. I think I think when I had I my rant had against, against him, I think when we had yeah. our rant against him, we got some some people were messaging. One guy messaging, he's he's a lad. You should have more respect for him. And then he said that on one of the comments, and even. The English guys are like, nope, he was bad at the Euros. So
1: yeah,
0: more. Yeah, but I mean, there needs to be a I change in the guard there. There needs to be yeah. a change in the guard.
1: I think he has this idea of RC as sort of tennis because he's like a very British guy. You know, like yeah. when you think British, like you, like he is that. Yeah, so I feet. think he has this idea of like RC like ten scale off road is kind of like tennis. You know, that everything is quiet, and then when the cars cross the line, then you can clap. You know. Okay.
0: Um, real quick, we're going to talk about Lutz. Lutz is going to New Zealand for the uh, um first round of the oh, ABC yeah. race. So that's yeah. good. Uh, Asian buggy challenge. <clears throat> I wonder if he's going to do the whole series. I hope he does. That'd be cool if he does. Uh, that's good for them. It's good to see that's. It's good to see Asia getting some some limelight. It's going to be New Ze- I know New, the New Zealanders are super excited because like oh, they probably yeah, haven't yeah. had a Somebody like Lutz come over for a long time or ever. I don't know. I'd have to talk to them. So they're going to have the first round. That's in February. So they'll be happy about that. Congratulations to that. Um, do you want to talk about the new, because uh, we're trying, we we, we still have yeah, a lot I of see- season noise to talk about. So do you want to talk about the new VRP Pistons? And I and please, do, I'm, don't make me have the watermelon seed you in this one.
1: Yeah, the V R P pistons are that. I can I can go through them. Uh, let me just get it up. All right. And, so, uh, you also have Kuku, Kuki Kato is a new Japanese star driver. But let's yeah. go.
0: So, so explain
1: this to me. I'm an idiot. So basically, the V R P pistons. They you you have them. Other side is normal, you know, flat. Um, the other side, it has uh, like these little slots that mm-hmm. you fit this black uh, silicone piece into flap. Back in the day, it used to be just that there was just the plastic, uh, the silicone flap. But now they introduced, you know, sort of a second layer. So this is like a shim. Mm-hmm. So the smaller the shim, the more, you know, the, fla- the, um, flap, the flap is a lot opens. The flex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so you can you can by changing the shim you can fine tune how much the flap opens so this is pretty much the it's kind of the same idea as the mip pistons they had like the different number of shims and so on but i think this is more like um it's like neater maybe like it has like uh it takes a less space on the piston and i think it's Probably even easier to do this, like, manufacturing-wise. Um, but, yeah, VRP has been getting very into, like, doing stuff within RC recently. Um, not only have they introduced these new pistons, but they have also introduced, like, uh, this new shocks uh, suspension geometry for the Agama N1. Uh they well, it has made, a whole so- setup for that yeah oh, and then, yeah and then like uh obviously jones tyler um he is now like a full-on vrp well he's been for a while but obviously he's a full vrp driver and now uh, he has we'll sparkle. This is, yeah and um uh i think there's so this sort of sparkle vrp collab going on right now
0: well i think um yeah, we'll see. We'll talk more about Sparko in silly season. Yeah. Also, well, congratulations yeah. to Tyler Jones is going to be a father, I believe, and he just got engaged. Really? Oh yeah. Really? All right. Um, did you want to? I know you want to talk about it just because you geek out on Japanese drivers.
1: Oh, Kuki Kato.
0: Kuki Kato. This is the the young guy that was. This is the guy that was at uh, the worlds, correct?
1: Yeah, he was at the worlds, and he. I think the last podcast we ha- had. Um. He did did he do well at
0: eight
1: scale? I, yeah, he won the eight-scale Nats in Japan as well. So I talked about that, and then Kanai was sort of praising him um uh for being like the next star of Japan. Now he takes um tool drive and full drive uh 10 scale up road uh at the Japanese Nats. I believe I can't remember how he did that the eight scale um nitro track worlds but he was there as well and i think he did really well like i I think he had like top 10 rounds in qualifying so like this is a very very promising driver and he's only 17 year old
0: max's favorite driver is not so he geeks out on japanese drivers
1: no but i think like i i'm fascinated by the history of like rc Mm -hmm. and like when you look at the history, the amount of high-end Japanese drivers there was, like Japan is pretty much where this whole sport has been born, you know? Mm-hmm. Like RC racing started from Japan. So yeah, I think... I, like, I get,
0: I understand that.
1: Yeah, so I think for that sake too, it's really good, you know, to have... A, that's kind of like saying that if NASCAR slowly evolved into a sport where there were only European drivers... And then you know an American driver got back into NASCAR. I think that's kind of the same that I feel, you know.
0: <laughs> got you. All right. Well, we, we'll let you geek. I met two Japanese drivers uh at the Tovskirch, Ishiuaga and Yamashita. Yamashita. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice yeah, guys. Yeah, the I didn't speak much English, them. but nice guys. Yeah, the other one uh I think Yaganasawa. Is Oh, gonna say, yeah, that was. He didn't come. Make, he didn't make uh, it. Oh, but um, the Ishioka one. Then, uh, he yeah, he, he was there. He made the, the a world. final. Yeah, but he also made a final in touring. Mm, okay. World. Awesome.
0: awesome. All right. Well, I think it's time to go on some silly season news that we have to finish up from our previous. You don't, you, don't,
1: you don't want to talk about the new Axon car.
0: Can we save that for another day? Because. You're okay, gonna let's go on, save it
1: for another day.
0: You're gonna geek off for 15 minutes on that. And we're on a time. You know what? We're on a time limit today because JQ needs to use the stream yard in two hours. So you know, we gotta we gotta go through this stuff pretty fast. So everybody can blame JQ for this part of the part. And you're going you're leaving tomorrow, so we can't record tomorrow. Yeah. So you know, all JQ's fault. And silly season news is brought to you by Sidewinder Fuel. Sidewinder Fuel has been made by Morgan Fuel, has been collaborating collaborating with many of the world's top drivers for over 35 years. This has enabled them to test their fuels in many of the most challenging situations and take the development of competition fuels to the next level. The result is Sidewinder, the market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel has been track tested and improved by national world champions such as Ryan Cavalry. Ryan Mayfield, Greg DeGani, Mark Pavitas, and many more. Their current top driver is Little Bump. These drivers appreciate that Sidewinder is blended perfectly for the high-performance needs of competitive racing. Don't let slip. Don't let victory slip through your fingers. Purchase Sidewinder today. All right, you like that? I like wow. that. I thought that was yep. pretty cool. You're gonna become a um, voice, a actually. radio voice, a radio yeah. voice. All right. So, being as we talked about Sparkly, Sparky, Sparkle, uh, they are making a push in America. So, I believe Pavitis is going to be driving for him. He just recently was—he won toys for tots with them, uh, at the Drake's tra- at Palm Desert. We went up. Did you ever go to Palm Desert? No, you,
1: you didn't. Palm Desert, did you? No,
0: know. you did We went no, no, like no, the year no, after.
1: No, no,
0: yeah. Um, he won. He, no, he didn't win. He came like second to Drake.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, He was at the recent. This past weekend at the U.S. Open at Adobe RC Raceway. And better, I don't yeah. think he's getting paid or anything like that. I just think he's getting product. No, 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 no. I think Kavidis yeah. is kind of just enjoying RC right now.
1: Yeah, so I, I actually chatted up with him a bit uh, uh, through Facebook. And also, actually, <laughs> I was watching the live stream by Mod, and I, he was there on the commentary booth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, chatting him <laughs> up on a YouTube chat. I was awake at night. Um, so from what he said, it was basically that they sent him a car um, and uh, that I don't think he even has a contract or anything at this point, but he's sort of just testing the car, driving it kind of the same deal that was with Jones at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think they are trying to form an actual team because well, VRP has been really well, these drivers, you know,
0: no, but it's not VRP. It's, it's Power Hobbies, who's the distributor over in New Jersey. Uh, my buddy Mike Cass out of Vegas is actually the West Coast manager, manager now. He's kind of had okay. this car for a few bits, a few few months now. Uh, the e-buggy is coming out in January. And this now, remember, I said in the previous podcast, I think Kaiosha is gonna make a lot of n this year, next year, as well as S-Works. I think this is gonna be one of the cars that makes a lot of N-roads as well. The one thing that's going to hold it back. For now, it's not having a Truggy or e Truggy compared to Kyosha yeah. and, and S-Works. But uh, Sparko seems to be on the tip of everybody's. My buddy Kevin Winters had one at Fulbro, and he was telling me about it, and he says a lot of guys on the Northeast are starting to switch over to them. So I think this is going to be a very popular car, and I believe they're going to sign a big name in America. I was told that. I, 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 they wouldn't tell me who it was. But we shall see. We shall see. I mean, it's not too many big names that are probably gonna be looking for a ride. Cavallari, Tasman. So we don't know. We don't know. All right. Um, but I think Sparkle is gonna make some moves in America in 2024. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Do we want to go right into so let's go into we talked about Ty leaving. Well, Ty getting dismissed from X ray, right? So that yeah. leaves and, and Gord was the team manager for X ray. So that leaves who's gonna take that spot or are they gonna have a top driver uh and a team manager again? Now I know I don't I think the last time we talked about this, I said that I think if I'm X ray I'll hire Cavallari and hire Paul Sicarello as team manager, well Maybe they'll hire a, Paul, a guy like Paul Lemieux because his son does race this. Maybe he'll become the team manager. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're going to do about that. But something else kind of piqued my interest and wrapped my brain around it. What if the Fullers go to X-Ray? Because yeah. I know I, from, I, I we're going to get into extra HP about this, but a lot of the reason drivers were leaving is because of this. They owed this, dinero, money, ching, you know pennies, dollars. And I'm not talking about a little bit of money. I'm talking about thousands of dollars.
1: Mm.
0: Right? I know Little Bump left because of that. And I know that other drivers, Pavitis mentioned it. And I think, and there's no hidden secret that even we've heard it from the Fullers as well. People have talked about the Fullers being earned money, mostly for travel money. Right? And contingency. Yeah,
1: that's that's the same as with Pavitis. He said he was all travel money. So, but, yeah. I think, um, so, like to that—that that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with X-ray, but that opens up right. quite a stack of drivers that X-ray could be looking at that are much cheaper than Tesman and Goldworth. So, but I'm feeling I'm feeling that they are in a little bit of a weird place right now because they have um, Tom Rinnec-net, uh Rinniknet, um, yeah, from R1. Tom from R1. That's what. That's what you call him um he is running their ten scale stuff uh, he they have and he runs um, their eight scale stuff, yeah, yeah, but like um, he's he's like especially a ten scale driver a good one uh then they have uh on on road side of things they have drivers like kevin Hebert and uh, Lemieux mm-hmm. who are quite good uh in oh no, but chase lemieux runs does.
0: um road too he's good too
1: Paul yeah, Lemieux's but, son. Yeah, but these guys are not. Lemieux isn't no, racing
0: no more. I don't think.
1: Yeah, but uh, well, no, no, not the father, but I mean, like the, it's it's the family still, you know. So I think there is, it, there's room for X Ray to make a few different decisions here. there's room for putting more money into a touring cars and um, like ten scale off road, because I think they have good platforms there. Uh, they already have the people there that they can start, start to push through, just put like more, you know, effort into it. Mm-hmm. Or then they have to kind of start over with the eight scale, you know, so they have to choose kind of what to do. <clears throat> and I, to be honest, I don't really know because in America, automatic is really big, but I'd say x ray or CRC is the second biggest in terms of like on road market. Um, but then like, I think there's more room for actually to put that because it's growing. But I all mean, right. age scale is by far the bigger. All right. right? So that's, I, I got all of what you're saying,
0: right? Uh, but I, they need somebody, right? What the, the ties is going, unless they, they plan on sending Ron Afolk over there to race everything, uh, which they, they, they're they going to need somebody in the USA. And I was thinking we're. I am not saying that the Fullers are leaving either, by the way, because they have another year under contract, apparently. But if they were to leave, where would they go? Right? And who has room right now and possibly a budget to hire them would be um would be X-ray. That's what yeah. I was thinking. And this kind of epiphany came to me a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, we oh, could be the Fullers. But still, I think if 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 which would be a good move because Caden and Mason are both new about well, Mason's, you know, just He's a couple, he's a level or two above Caden at the moment. But if they wanted to get somebody at a decent price who can do both 10 scale and 8 scale, it will, uh, Cav would be my answer to that. So I have a feeling that one
1: of those two options is going to happen for X Ray. Which one? I do not know. I think, I think Cav's issue is that he, I'm like 99% sure that Schumacher doesn't do one year deals for that big drivers. So he's locked in with the Schumacher deal. So even if WRC, WIRC mm-hmm. dumps him or like he, they don't have money or whatever, he'd like that he dumps them. I don't think like Cavalry gets the. Well, I think he's Schumacher. not at WIRC because everything is Marco Barufalo. In fact, I just
0: saw today or yesterday that they're advertising for teen drivers at uh, WIRC USA and they got Barufalo on there. Yeah. Not no Cavalry. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you have to Sparko
1: yeah so i don't i don't know cav's eight scale platform like what's happening with that but i i can't see him switching because he he'll have to switch ten scale x ray doesn't do you know like you run every that's, yeah. that's a better enemy that's a better enemy yeah uh, so so i see i see it much more likely that they they if they would hire someone they'd hide the fullest. Because mm-hmm. they have a lot of potential. They're most likely cheaper than um, and But it's
0: two of them. Um, cluster that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's still like Cavalry would always have a mechanic, you know. So I would say that um, if they would hire someone, they'd hire, hire Fuller's. And then, because they they are both great at 10 scale. They just don't race it as much, you know, anymore. So, yeah, I, I think... Fullers, and then just make them run more That's
0: it. You know, my silly season sense, Spidey sense is just tingling at that. I'm not saying that the Fullers are leaving HP. I just know that they're good, that there's no, there's no secret. Well, can
1: we now talk, just, about just yeah, like, talk, about talk about
0: HP? Yeah, let's talk about HP. So, it. future of HP, this is going to trigger all of the HP diehards out there, just like your yeah, post triggered them, and I got to blame for it. Which wasn't even bad. It was the little bump leaving post. So, yeah, um, yeah we're seeing uh, an exodus of HP drivers. A lot of these, a lot of diehard HP guys are leaving. Colin Herzig, he was there. He was with HP for a long time. He was with HB back when HP, before it got really popular in America. I'm um, sorry, popular in California. We saw little bump yeah. leave. Um, who else has left? That. The other day, uh, that was not. And and at the same time, I see people are still staying, right? They just had, you know, how everybody was posting that they're still going to stay. Still a popular car in the Southeast. Lots of people have it. It's still a very popular car in America for many people. But it's no secret. I've been hearing how people, it's hard to get parts. Uh, Worldwide, I've heard how people are are saying they're waiting for kits to come. Like, people have ordered kits and, and, like, 10, 20 kits and only got five. So this is, seems to be something very similar to HB. If you even want to go back to when Falk left, one of the reasons that he left, or well, the main reason, was because of the like firing of what's his name? Oscar uh, such Janssen. and such. Janssen.
1: What's his name? Oscar Jansen.
0: O- Oscar Janssen, who had been with HB and Nightheart for 20 plus years. Yeah. Did their electric guy does all the electric stuff and out of the blue, he's just fired, right? Yeah. So that was one of the reasons, Pizza, if not the main reason, yeah. why Adrian and it got out. Like they kind of started writing on the wall. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Young um, Sam was the guy who uh, started Orion. So. Okay. Like, there you go. Yeah. So. Not, yeah. Not I don't know what the future holds
0: for this company, to be honest. But with drivers kind of leaving, and look, drivers leave for all types of reasons, right? It's it's. Yeah. But I'm seeing a lot of diehard.
1: HP guys gone, leaving. Yeah, but I mean, I think when... It's not like Pavidis didn't get paid. It's Pavidis, Lil Bump, uh, and most likely from what we've heard, pullers. you know? Mm-hmm. All of these drivers have not gotten paid for travel for like for a while now. Mm-hmm. And it's no secret uh, that HP has been in financial trouble for a while. And we've heard this from many people who are, have worked very, close with, very closely with them, sold their kits and sold their parts and whatever, and been very like closely tied with HP. So m- for sure, there are issues with well, them there. Are they going to, is something going to happen? Are they going to just stay or what's happening? You know, well, something? I have a letter. You have a letter?
0: that They must have sent out to HP drivers, and here's what it says. I trust this message finds you in great spirits. We have some exciting news to, to share that will bring positive changes to our business operations. So they're not going anywhere at the moment. Okay. In our unwavering commitment to, of, to elevating customer service and adapting to the ever-evolving industry landscape, we are thrilled to announce that our company will be relocating to a new state-of-the-art facility in Vernier, Geneva, in January 2024. This meticulous selection of our, the meticulous selection of our new premises aims to enhance not only our efficiency, but also the overall logistics of our operation, transforming from our current three-story setup and plan-less Kuwaits, that's wherever, wherever they are, I don't know if I said that right, to a more streamlined, single-floor, larger space is a strategic more move that will empower us to expedite all the processes and enhance the speed of deliveries. While the task of moving a company of our size after two decades in our current location is no small feat, we view this as a golden opportunity to optimize our operations and elevate the quality of our services. And, you know, so basically they're just going to say, okay, we please aware that we will have a temporary operational pause during the relocation process as we seamlessly transfer our stock and offices. However, Want basically they're saying that they're gonna be closed on yeah, so exact dates through. of the of the re- relocation will be communicated early January. Well, they didn't have much product to get out to people anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or well, I mean not available, obviously, because they're not so something it sounds like
1: they're moving to a smaller place, more but what 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 was it say? Geneva? Yes. Well, they're oh, in Geneva, I right? know, I know. Yeah, so it's still in Switzerland, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where they're based right now. I have No idea. Okay. It
0: said it's. I, I'm, I'm sure it's not too far, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's in Switzerland too.
1: Excuse me. Argentina. Yeah, they are based in Switzerland right now. But it sounds
0: like they're moving from a bigger three-story place to a single factory. Yeah, I don't know how big of a place they need for something like this, but yeah. I mean, on top of that, with with a new car that some like, some dislike, you know, and no real when I say a new and they, and and while the platform is great, they're in need of a new car, right? And when I say a mo- yeah. I should say a modern car. That's about oh, a- their
1: they they their newest model, which is the one that like Fuller's and these guys are running. Hara won the world championships with the same gearboxes. Okay. Like, I think Caden Fuller wasn't born. I think those gearboxes are older than Caden Fuller, okay?
0: 2008, 15, 2008 to 2018 is 10 years.
1: How old is... It's 15 years from now. Yeah, he's How about
0: 15. Is... He's probably so, just newborn.
1: Okay, so the HB 8 <laughs> buggy gearboxes, are older than one of their top drivers, Okay. So that's just to paint the picture of how outdated some of the things on their car are. Well, just, just to paint the picture.
0: May, I, we'll see. Maybe moving to this, this new facility will help because I know getting parts has been an issue. So hopefully they'll get parts that they need and the support they need. But when I see diehards leaving, like regular guys, regional guys leaving and getting tired of it then something's up, but we'll see. I mean, I don't think they're going anywhere being as they're moving. And also, we, it's no, it's no lie. It's been up for sale for quite some time. So, yeah. um, I don't know if it got sold. Maybe that's all. Who knows? But then, you know, yeah. why not just? But I don't think it did. I think they're just moving. Probably got a cheaper place, smaller. Three stories is a lot easier to maintain than one is. Uh, one story is easier to maintain than three stories. I'm like, yeah. My so, yeah.
1: Maybe they are. Uh, I Maybe think they... uh, yeah I think we're at a point where I don't think they even know what's going to happen up with HP. I think like it's kind of now they try to get everything working, hope that they get kits sold and hope that their pro- pro- process is better. If it doesn't get better, they're going to go like it's up in 24, uh, 2025. But I think they're going to give it a last push in 2024, see how it goes and then Keep it going, or give up. You know.
0: Yeah, and and their ten skill the ten scale thing was a flop too. Oh, like I don't yeah. care what anybody
1: says, it was a flop.
0: Yeah. You know, release five years too late. Release five years too
1: late. Yeah, and they even released it with uh, an asymmetric front uh, link mount. That's what happens. Like, yeah.
0: That's what happens it's, with the factory and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of issues. There's just a lot of issues. No, like, no,
0: brand is perfect, but HB has its issues and it's been ongoing yeah.
1: like getting parts and supply has been a big issue for yeah. them over many years. Oh, yeah, I mean, from what I heard, they have like a double or triple amount of vendors compared to, you know, other brands. Like where they're it's a, it's still a very
0: popular platform.
1: It is, it is, yeah, yeah. Very I mean, popular. I think the marketing, like the marketing is good. Uh well, I mean not say marketing, but their brand image is good. Mm. They have history. So uh, I mean, yeah, they can do it, but I think that's just procedure, procedural issues in okay. the company right now. All right.
0: All right. Uh up we'll see what happens with HB. Up next. Grainer. What's his Dominic Grainer? Yeah. Maximum bullshit guy. He became famous yeah. by being the guy who termed
1: that. That phrase, was it after one-tenth race or one-eighth race he did this? So it was one-tenth uh, IC track uh, in Turkey. And actually, from those people who don't know that, that why he said it, it was because um, that race had the transponder line after the pit lane, okay? So Griner was leading through the race. He led almost the whole time. Uh, then Bruno Coelho flamed out, Okay. And he flamed out quite at the beginning of the track. And he got started up. And then, you know, drove in the transponder line. So he didn't complete the lap, but got a lap because the transponder line was... Yeah, that's maximum bullshit. Yeah. And I think, if I'm not wrong, Bruno actually... uh, He flamed out at least once. But if I'm not wrong, he flamed out twice. But Griner, like, absolutely dominated the race. He, like, on, on, on track, actually... Griner just straight up won the race. But Bruno, because of these flameouts and the, uh, transponder line being after the pit lane, Bruno ended up being awarded the European Championships because apparently there wasn't a rule, uh, in the rule book that could have done anything good. So obviously Griner was, uh, annoyed because he did all he could have. He didn't do anything wrong, but then he didn't win. So that's where, why he thought it was maximum bullshit, as he said. Maximum bullshit.
0: Um, so if people don't know about Grana, he has made six world championship finals in the eighth-scale, his sixth appearance was in the eight-scale rides in Japan. Um he he has been racing for 15 years in nitro racing, so he's apparently retiring from just from nitro
1: racing. Where is is he German? I want to say. Yeah, he's a German driver. So basically I'd say he was the top. I'd say like before Balestri was as good as he is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Reiner was the top driver in the, especially in the one tenth on road category. Mm. But overall, I'd say he was probably the best in in um um on road track like European championships. Um, he's won a world championship yeah he's won a one ten track world championship twenty sixteen yeah so he's he's a really really fast driver and really good driver but he basically couldn't get paid through serpent he i don't know if he switched brands or what he was running, but basically when he serpent couldn't offer him money anymore because there was no there's no money in android anymore uh on uh, nitro on road to be specific uh he went on and got a full-time job and his reasoning was that you know nitro takes a lot of time uh, a lot of testing in it uh you're competing against drivers at on infinity who have like so much more money they get paid they don't they don't need another job um like yeah just not worth it to do and not capable to compete at the level he would like to, you know, when doing a full-time job. But then, you know, um, so he wasn't with Serpent for the past few years. So, uh, however, now, uh, after I think it was a few days or a week after that, uh, uh, announcement, uh, it was announced that he's gonna join, uh, Serpent again. But this time he's racing, you know, just electric. electric. Yeah. So, what I believe is he's still into RC, you know, like it doesn't go away. Um, I think he's, um, I think he's just gonna race, uh, and test, um, and, uh, like see how it goes, but still keep his, uh, you know, day job. Yeah. So, I think it, it, it's an, to me, uh, when I saw this, I was kind of like, like, is this gonna be a thing for a lot of guys in a few years? Ty being perhaps the first one?
0: Like a, a part-time job. We talked about this, having a part-time job and doing RC part-time. So you know, get, no, con- no. making some money off RC, but
1: yeah, but I, don't I mean, not necessarily, off. not necessarily just that, but basically a driver who is a world champion at the very oh. top end of the level. But like maybe they erase a class that is not that popular, or maybe they have dwindled down just a bit where they can't really keep themselves as top name anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, a one time a dominating name in RC, almost completely out of RC in terms of like being in their profession, you know? I think it's absolutely. a, it's an unfortunate image, but I think that's kind of where we're headed to. RC as a, a hobby, it has grown massively, but RC as a professional sport, I mean, it's it's, it has to be said, it's shrinking. You know, unfortunately, it is, it is, it is, absolutely. We talked about this, oh, uh, in the
0: previous podcast with Ty. All right, and final silly season news because I haven't really heard anything else. Schumacher, advertising for an engineer. Hmm. Yeah. Does this mean one of two things? An engineer is leaving? I think the only engineer is Trish. They
1: have a few others. but
0: Or is, are they looking to do, like you have in your notes, eight scale project finally on the way?
1: Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, obviously it could be that someone's just leaving, but I mean, it could as well be that they, yeah, they they are looking to start officially the eight scale project. Who knows? I mean, they have oh, they let's... already have an European Championship under their belt in eight scale off road. They do, they do. They the do. I mean, what if but what if somebody like Trish is leaving? Not saying that it
0: is, but what I don't is. think.
1: Yeah, I don't think Trish is leaving, but uh, they do have happen? they they do have engineers on the on road side. Because Trish. Trish okay. only is on no, those off road. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think it has anything to do with on road. Yeah, because he was not at the at the worlds recently. No, no he no. was they at the Florida Corporate yeah. Championships though. Yeah, they have different engineers for for on road and off road. So I mean, it could just be that you know someone's quitting, um, but it could be that they just need some extra hands there. And I thought I thought it would be good to bring some positive news, you know a brand, you know, getting new people, working for them. Clearly, if you hire people, usually you're doing good, you know. You're um, scaling up your operation. So at least some people are doing good in the industry, which is good to see. Absolutely, absolutely. It would be interesting to see what
0: that uh, equates to and if it's somebody that's leaving or they're bringing on somebody to do what you thought they were going to do. All right, uh, we have no more silly season news. We will keep our eyes peeled over the next couple of you know, silly season kind of happens after the holidays. So if by the time I do my next recording, we hear something, I will talk about it. But that's all the silly season news we have for at the moment. Unless I missed out something. Uh, I don't know. I do not know. All right, Um, right. Let's move on. Do we want to do? Cre- let's do questions real quick. I think we should do yeah. questions. So we have some questions. We're not going to get to all of them because we are on a limited time this week. But I know this is your last chance to ask questions for the year for the year max. So I know you really want to do this. And uh, yeah, we want to thank you to BeachRC for bringing this to you. Uh, if you guys want to support us a little bit more, you can go to beachrc.com. We have a link, an affiliate link in the written description of this podcast. And uh, I hope you guys use it and help us out. And thank you to Brent and Lucas for all the support I got to hang out with. I didn't get to hang out with them much, but I got to see them. Up at her recently at the Fall Brawl, which happened a couple of weeks ago. So check them out. Order up some stuff. Use that affiliate link. Help us out a little bit. And we greatly appreciate it. All right. So we do have questions. Uh, Some of them are repetitive. Some I won't ask. Like, you know, we we get asked these questions quite a lot. The same questions over and over on this podcast sometimes. And I have to control you from geeking out too much. All right. Josh Sargent, what's up? Saw him at Fall, bro, and he had one of these mentally broke down moments at his race. He went from first to last before the first lap was over. Uh, but that track was really hard. He says, how do you stay mentally in the zone throughout the race weekend? I find that the less track time I get each day, tons of practice, less in quals, and not before the mains, I find myself making more stupid mistakes due to lack of focus by main day. So basically what he's saying is, Practice is fine because they have open practice. They could go up and up and down as, as much as they want. But when he has to have time in between qualifiers and stuff, that's when he when he kind of sucks.
1: He loses focus, I should say. It's not suck. Yeah. Well, there are like a few different things. One often is that you're kind of not one with your car. So a lot of people, especially in America, have this where they don't really practice. They only race, you know? They don't go out to the track just to have a day. Uh, to practice so a lot of the times you don't really ever feel connected with the car so that's one thing because for me like when i'm feeling good with the car i can just drop it on the track do a warm-up lap and then i'm good you know so that's one having a setup where you can trust the car it feels to your own um another thing is like um Kind of to uh, like walk the track, you know, try to memorize the track, you know. Uh, it's kind
0: of hard to do that because they can't, they don't have time in between races. It's going constantly.
1: No, no, I mean, not not between races, but like prior to the day, like in the morning, like walk the track, try to, you know, paint an image in your mind of the track that then you have a much more, you know, connected um image of the track in your head and when you go under the driver's stand you're not immediately like oh shit like what am i doing here um but this is this you do kind of like over the weekend you know um then also one more thing i mean this is something that i guess I, it depends on what level driver you are but this is what, like, professional, like, full-scale drivers do a lot. Uh, and I bet some of the RC pros do this as well. Basically, just drive the laps with the transmitter in your hand and your eyes closed, and then time yourself, you know? Um, because, uh, like, you can do this. If you are, if you are at their home track, you've done, like, a million laps around it or whatever, you can get into, like, a second, half a second quite easily. When you are, like, a really good driver, you can get into, like, tens, you know, of your mm-hmm. average lap doing that. But when you're not known to the track, you can be, like, seconds off, you know? So just, like, close your eyes. Uh, like, do all the things you do on the track with the transmitter, but do it in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but hold the transmitter in your hand. That's one way to just kind of get in the Yeah, rhythm.
0: and I would say go out and watch as much racing as you can, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially prior racing, to your
0: qualifiers to see what's going on with the track. That's a good way yeah. to all right. Uh Douglas Reek, how you doing, Douglas? I think you had an operation or surgery here recently. Uh he wants to know, will you and Max ever come to a race in Minnesota? I, I never say never. If it works out, you know. I don't know where I'm gonna be in two I don't know where I'm gonna be after January. That's how it works out. So anything's possible. As for Max,
1: probably highly unlikely. I don't I don't think same similar weather to Finland. Finland. Yeah, that's one more reason not to go. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I'd say highly unlikely I'd ever go to Minnesota. All right. Bauman Baseman asks, all the changes
0: of drivers in this energy, do we finally see the rise of the youth or the slow, painful death of scale motorsports? We talked about this. Yeah, I'd say the latter most likely than the prior. Okay okay you still have to beat these fast guys yeah um zach ryan wants to know what's up zach why don't they dlc coat the inner and outer race of the rear bearing to remove corrosion from engines like they do the crank even look at the latest os with the steel insert in the backplate rust like how and then the rust goes through the engine why not dlc this part
1: cost maybe um well cost for sure um I remember when Reds, um, made the DLC codings and like I talked then with, uh, Marco Rossi and it was like the price of the crank is just, like basically like five, six times. So, and the crank is one of the most expensive parts of the engine. So yeah, there, there is like, um, there's a lot of cost into, like, proper DLC coding. Like, yeah, you can get some DLC coding, which is not really that high quality uh from somewhere. Um, But it's really expensive if you do it properly, which is what you would do for engines. Then another thing is, he was talking about the rear bearing, right? Yeah, the auto race of it. Yeah, I don't necessarily understand why you would need to, like... DLC Apparently a rust. Oh yeah, the, the rust. rust. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, one one thing is that um, bearings are like. I bet the bearings are like probably ninety nine percent outsourced. I mm-hmm. don't think there's any engine manufacturer making make making the bearings. Make, yeah. So all of them are outsourced from somewhere. Uh, I'm like very very sure. So. I think that's probably the main reason that there probably ain't much uh, manufacturers who make DLC-coded uh, bearings. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, unless you run in a really moist um, climate and you oil your engine regu- regularly, there, it's like RC engines are kind of like guns, you know, like you have to clean them and oil them. And like, unless you do that, they're just going to rust. So, um, and like it's, it works better when it's just pure metal. Usually, obviously, like the crank is better DLC coated because it has a lot of like uh, wear on it. Otherwise, from the clutch, bill bearings as well as the conrod. Um, but yeah, I I I think like obviously the price would probably like dip the triple or something, maybe even like five times as the price. So that. Like you're already paying so much for the rear bearing, and then on top of that, probably not even possible because everything is outsourced. So, okay. yeah, not really a realistic idea, I think. All right.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with that, especially the bearings outsourced, coming from other uh, companies. Yeah. And
1: I mean, maybe that plate he's talking about, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think. Like at least me, before every single race I do, I tear apart my engine. It says the so the the latest OS has a steel insert in the back plate. Yeah, that's that? it's it's just too expensive for like a very minimal gain. You know, I do understand like the Conrad because it actually lengthens the life of it by a crazy amount, but anything else that really isn't no point. Okay.
0: Paul Rodman says, with the AE and others releasing new cars or revisions, will Techno release a 2.2 or 3.0 after having input from Mayfield from the, uh, from this last year? i say it's a possibility. I'm pretty sure they will uh, do something will. like that. And he also asked, do you agree with that?
1: Do I agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I would agree Mayfield, with that. I, I bet Mayfield has changed quite a bit on the car already. Yeah, yeah I would bet so too.
0: And he says, "Will they ever make a ten scale wheeler that you know not you don't know, you know not you have you little you' are endlesslessly competitive uh I don't think techno is gonna put any more money into ten scale that four wheel drive they're just going to i think they have no interest i i was listening to Mayfield on Wheel and Trigger, which was a great interview by the way on Brent's podcast it was very good uh and he said, and I've heard techno say they just have no interest in in getting into that ten scale market too much." But with that said, yeah. anything's possible, and I definitely think we're gonna see a new techno car come out very soon,
1: with uh, improvisions from 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 Mayfield. You know, of yeah, But I do, I do have to say, the 10 scale to the ten scale market that there are probably like six, seven, maybe even ten tool drives out there that are like used around the world and there is almost no difference between them whatsoever like and same with full drive apart from the schumacher the obvious one because that one has a belt drive so in the 10 scale market the difference between cars is not a lot they are already quite high-end in terms of performance they are in general cheaper um. Uh. So and they wear down less. So in terms of like sales, like you, like you, much more likely to sell one or one or two eight scale co- uh, cars per customer a year, versus someone could run the same tool drive for two or three years. You know, so much less money to be made. Uh. It they they cost much less, so obviously less profit uh and same like monetary worth less profit and i don't i don't know exactly but i i'd be pretty confident to say there are more more 8 scale cars around there than there are 10 scale offer oh i'm confident of that i'm 100% yeah. confident of that yes yeah. so i think confident. i think it's just really 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 hard market to be competitive in because there's so much so little differences and so such many brands um Less drivers, less profit to be made per kit, less wear, you know? So for a manufacturer standpoint, H-Scale is much more easier to get into. That's why there are so many H-Scale buggies around too. And they are all doing like somewhat well. Okay. Mark Styles, is
0: 112 modified the ultimate glory or is spec more important? Because that's what pays the bills for manufacturers. And how will things look? by the time the next 12 scale world championship is running two years time. So I'm going to say this. I'm not an expert in this class. Right. But I will say this, the spec, I'll look at this like stock and modified in America in, in 12 scale. I'm not going to lie. Every time them, I, I like the spec class too. They're fast, but man, i tell you those modified cars were exceptionally fast. Like, I wouldn't even think of trying to drive one. No, it was just too fast for me. There's a select few, there's a select bunch of people in the world that can drive those things at the speed that they were going. Now, the spec class was, had a way deeper competition feel, field. And that's where the money is, just like in stock and modified in Offroad. And Offroad in America, modified is like 12 scale. It's, it's where it's, it's where people go who are re- like professional drivers and all that type of stuff. And stock, stock has its professional drivers too. Stock professional drivers, but stock is a more competitive, more money making uh, venture for companies. Cause a lot of money to be made up. I think one of the reasons that these, these things are popular is because if you, if, if you have a, look, I'll be honest with you, a 13, five, I think that these, mo- so let's put this, way. if I can put it the best way I can think of it in my head. The, the modified cars are going to be fast, no matter what. You know what I mean? You can put, I don't, I think they have a limit to turns you can put on there. I'm not sure. But it comes to a point where it's too fast, right? And you can't hold on to it. You can actually probably get away if it being a little bit slower at some point, if it handles better. But when it comes to a spec class of a spec murder it could come down to somebody who knows how to build a motor and tune a motor and all that type of stuff more that can mean a difference between that can, that can make up for driving ability. Does that make sense? Or make up for a bad handling car? Does that, um, do you understand what I'm saying? It's kind of like I can have a motor with more power that's been tuned for more power, but still in legal limits and pull you because I'm got, i got, I can beat you because I have more speed versus just a, just a touch more. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm trying to. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking think, in my brain
1: right now. I think currently the thirteen fives are powerful enough, where the gains to be made are really, really small. Okay. So I, I, I would have, to, I, I have to say, I don't have like full confidence in, in that. But I would say that the more powerful the engines, the less likely there is. You know, when you're running a twenty. Like seventeen point five, like that little bit of an edge does give you much more because you are like always struggling for power. But thirteen point five, you are gonna be driving a little. Yeah, like but if you got if we have a car
0: that's a little bit faster, just a little bit, just a little bit faster. Because I'm gonna tell you. So the, so when I watched this race, I don't mean to cut you off, but I am. <laughs> when I was watching this race, coming on that straightaway and they had that turn like that that at the end of the straightaway. Yeah. Now them to so me, them spec cars were able just to. Back off a little bit and go around them because they weren't going to, fa- yeah. they were able to get on the power a lot sooner. When them modifieds came on, you could hear them on the brakes. <laughs> like you could hear the brakes in the car reaching for traction yeah. to go around that. So, and then, you know, there's all those 13 fives that, that, you know, you could win that, you could win that race on a straightaway. You know what I mean? Or power coming out of the corners and stuff like that. Whereas the modifieds are all around equal, e- even the specs are all around equal, but it's just,
1: it's so much money in that, right? It's so much money in the spec class. Um, I don't know. I kind of I I think like before I was of the opinion that like everyone should just run mod. Um but now I think due to carpet racing in off-road and then also looking at how it was at the worlds in off-road where it was a surface that was much more difficult. But these pros were still running like, like insane amount of power because like they are just like as a drivers you kind of need to maximize everything you can have, mm-hmm. and then seeing that in most of Europe the modified touring class has like almost died completely. So I think I'm uh, same with um, the twelve scale. So I've kind of come to these days believe that a some form of spec class will be the new modified. So yeah. I think I You think, think that's going to be the class now, that all these guys run, strive for? I think for example in Europe right now uh, they have 6.5 Blinky. That's the modified. They don't have an unlimited modified class anymore <clears throat> in Europe. So, for example, that European Championship Hagberg one, that was 6.5 Blinky. Mm. And then the spec class was 13.5 Blinky. So, I think that is going to be the future of, um, modified. It's gonna be that there's like kind of like in, in, um, in full scale, like it's not that you can't run, you know, um, you can't run like an any sized engine you want in F1 or even motocross or rallying. It's, it's like 1.5 liters. Your turbo can be this much, you know. The power output will most likely be around this, you know. And that's the same that we should be doing in electric. In nitro off road, it's 25 cc. In electric, there's, we don't necessarily know the parameters, you know. Like turns don't mean shit. It what means stuff is like, like um, timing the, the like resistance of the coils, like all of these things. For example, that now like what Trinity and Motors and the reedy Motors had issues with. Like I think we will need to, in the future. We're not there yet, I'd say, but in the future, all of these modified classes will become um basically that there will be let's say like 6.5 turns or 5.5 turns and then you have certain limitations to like timing and so on and so on and then it will the the, the sort of distinction between like mod and stock will kind of go away because i think right now we're just especially ebuggy right now it's just crazy it's just stupid amount of power we have So I think there there needs to be some sort of new development. And I think it's not because before the issue was that the batteries didn't last. You know, you couldn't have a lot of power because the batteries didn't last. Now we have LiPo batteries. Then we went to like lighter and lighter batteries. So you kind of had to control the power. And then we had the issues that there wasn't grip you know we was running cars that were very high center of gravity and on like low grip tracks now we're on carpet tracks the cars are good enough essentially we can have as much power as the driver is uh able to you know, handle and we can see it here like especially in pan cars the issue is that most of the time like barely half of the grid can finish the eight minute race, you know, like these worlds were good, but uh, at the effort euros, like a lot of the time, just like half of the grid can finish the race. This is so, so difficult to drive, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. That, that's why, that's the reason why in the I could, I in that, see what you're saying. I see what you're, you're saying. I understand time. it. I understand yeah. it. Gotcha. We'll so see. Basically, basically, I think what will happen is there will be two classes. There will be spec and spec will it be 7.5 or 6.5 or 5.5 whatever it will be it will be but that's what it will come down to and then we'll have like touring and on-road and uh pan cars and everything they will we will basically every manufacturer will do engines with two turns you know there's Mm -hmm. the modified turn amount and then there's the spec turn amount and then there's the like low-end spec amount, then there's the uh, cheetah motors <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think i think that's what we will end up at and i think that's much more interesting way in terms of product development for the future okay i could agree with that i could agree with that all right real quick marco marco
0: steinbuckle steinbuckle why is it that serpent off-road cars aren't common in eighth and especially in ten-scale racing? Lack of local hobby shops and stock in parts, or due to very few pro drivers running and promoting them. They are a big and old name in the industry. We have many titles in the past, but they seem to be slowly disappearing away from eight-scale on-road racing. Um, so in off-road racing, I would say, in <laughs> serpent is pretty much non-existent except for certain little pockets. I know some people in England run them, and in Finland, some people run them. Still a great car. In America, they were doing very well. And then once they pulled Cicarella left, they just went, it just disappeared. Well, I don't think there's anybody run. I, I saw a serpent truck at one race, but slowly this disappearing. And that and that in turn leads, it, when there's nobody out there running the same car as you, you can't get parts from somewhere. It just leads to the demise of that. Uh, as for Onward, I don't follow it enough. In GT, they seem to be very popular. My GTs are niche of um, a niche of a niche. Just great quality car, right? But you definitely don't see separate like you used to back in the day. More cars out there too. More cars. Infinity, this, you know, all these type of cars, all these touring cars out there now. Everybody making them. It's 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 become a very, and and just Onward itself has gotten smaller. And they kind of stopped focusing on Offward and put, and like they all went all in and Onward, but I think it's it's a it's a very dying... it's it's well, on road needs an injection a... of new people. Cause I'm gonna tell you at think... recent twelve scale rounds, if I can say one thing, there's like one fourteen year old kid there. Yeah. You know, most of them were grown men or older men. So on road is more of an older man's man sport, it
1: seems, in in this world. Yeah, but I think what comes to Serpent, it was basically that they was doing quite a big push in America, I'd say, like, what, 2015 onwards, maybe? Yeah. Until when uh, Paul left. Uh, in Europe, they had a few drivers for a long time, but it didn't really ever seem to pick up in a way. Um, in OnRoad, they, they're like, yeah, they're they're very, you know, classic manufacturer. But I don't think they have even a one pro driver anymore. I can't name a pro driver in any class for that matter. Hmm. So I think there's a few reasons. So one is, um, in on-road classes, um, Mugen, they have the dis, like designated, you know, distributors who sell off-road kits and on-road kits. Then we have someone like Shepard and Capricorn who are like hundred percent on-road. So they don't give a shit about anything else except for on-road. So all of their they put kind of their all of their eggs into one basket. So you know, when some companies like hey, you want to sell your kids, they they know that guy's into on-road. But when serpents the trying to find someone, they're like, Hey, well, we have a 10-scale buggy, we have a um, you know eight scale buggy but we have this on-road stuff so it takes a lot more of effort you know get to get to sell that stuff so I think they've kind of that they, they they've tried to do too much but not put effort into anything enough of effort into anything so I think that's essentially what's hurting them because it's easy if you hardcore on-road guy you go for those hardcore on-road brands Mm-hmm. If you are an offer guy, you go for those hardcore off-road brands. But seven is none of them, you know? And you'd rather like X rays the same type, but they're a much bigger brand overall. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So they they're kind of like the X ray and also they are more expensive than the other cars. That's one more mm-hmm. reason as well. Okay. All right. Um we have one more question. Uh real quick. What do you think about the Sparkle car from Raw Blooper? Is it any good? I do think it's surprisingly good. Um when looking at it it's essentially really close to something like a TLR. But I think instead of being like a TLR they've made like key changes to make it more calm, you know. Um the rear end everything they kind of underst- understood maybe like maybe they took influence from like Porsche or HB and they also have a bunch of like S-Works parts. So I think they have kind of maybe by knowledge, maybe by luck, who knows, they kind of got together a quite a balanced package. Whereas TLR, you know, has the most unbalanced package there ever could be. And then they've tried little by little to bring it together. So I think that's basically what Sparkrow is. It's it's more aggressive than the old HP. But it's, it also has more support, but it's also much more like, uh, linear and easy to drive most likely than the new HP. I think that's what I would expect from the car. Obviously I have never, never driven one, so I can't be like, Hey, this is how it is. But judging from the geometry, uh, and the, the like the picture I've seen of the car and also like what is the feedback I've heard, I think it's kind of a car That's between an HP and a TLR. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to some Instagram questions. I'm talking about old HP, not the new one. Okay.
0: Kim Eliasson asks, how much do RC pros actually make? Example, Ranafal, Coelho, Ongaro, Hagberg, or Rifkin. I don't know how much they make, uh, but I know I was listening to... Uh, wheel and trigger and Mayfield was there and he said this is what he said he says and Mayfield's at the top tour I see Mayfield's probably one, making the most money one of the most highly paid drivers at, at this moment he said is making just north of 150 and south of 200 and that's probably with contingency I would say that's on the very higher upper echelons of things but you also gotta remember these guys don't pay for flights they don't pay for this they don't pay for no RC stuff like racing stuff and I think I, I think that's pre taxes, right I don't know. Do you know. I don't know how that yeah. works out. But I would say... Depends, yeah. I would say that maybe is getting a good salary now. I don't think he was getting the best salary before from what I heard. And that was one of his reasons why he wanted to, you know, we he was hearing rumors of him possibly leaving AE this year. I would say there's maybe three, maybe five guys that are making really good, decent money, like 100000 plus a year. And then... There's some, yeah. they're, probably, they're probably out there. I would say, I would say on average, a top driver can be making anywhere from five thousand dollars a month to twelve thousand dollars a month. Yeah, a month. I think
1: tw- I think salary is- salary. Yeah, and that that, that's uh, contingency. Yeah, and that's counting everything. So mm-hmm. a lot of these drivers don't make that from one. Like, I I think
0: a combination mostly- of their
1: sponsors. Yeah, so basically, like someone like like um, let's let's take an example of like the code defend uh, He's probably getting paid anywhere between five hundred and fifteen hundred from BHRC because he runs the ultimate engines or ultimate, whichever pays his salary. Probably five hundred he... to Really? Uh, he made maybe a little bit more, from Reds. but he probably has has a good contingency program. Yeah, but I th- he made fifteen hundred from Reds, I heard. Okay, so yeah, we have to yeah. make more than that, isn't it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then he probably gets anywhere between like three grand to five grand from TLR. Then so, Barry makes, Baker said he should, he could, if he went somewhere else, he'd make a lot more money. So, yeah, that that's why I, I, I'd expect it to be closer to 3,000 than 5,000. And then he probably makes, and obviously, I'm not saying this is like what Dakota actually makes. I'm saying like a driver like Dakota with the sponsors he has. Could make something like this. And then he probably makes like a grand from G Concepts, maybe 1500, depending on if he has a good deal with them. So overall, he makes from those three main sponsors, he makes most likely anything between six grand to 10 grand a month. And then those three. And then on top of that, he has his like Trinity sponsorship. Maybe he gets 500, maybe he gets 750 a month. Then he has his um like uh, spectrum of everything
0: you see on every sticker you see on this guy's car usually except that they're running some friend sticker get some sort of either they're getting a low salary maybe a hundred bucks a month it may be up to take it I bet every sticker you know it depends look at the biggest sticker on there usually is the one who's paying the most not not necessarily um but. Chassis—they don't get all paid all the salary from chassis. It's split up between chassis, motors, engines, tires, servers, um, batteries, radios. Yeah. Some of them. That's why I've seen a lot of guys running fly sky. We talked about this is yeah. because they're paying pretty good. But yeah, I would but- say, and I would say that the the, the people making ten thousand plus in RC a month are very few and far between.
1: Yeah, I think I'd say David before he left Mayako. I'd say I don't know exactly what he made from like all of his sponsors, but from from the numbers I've heard it's most likely like between ten and fifteen. Mayfield's probably Mayfield's he said then Fenn could be like because he he's at such a high level right now. Than Ongaro. yeah, but it's also corporate, and they don't like to pay, especially yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, nobody but knows, they, and not everybody's probably, getting the
0: same amount. It, I think, it's no, how good you, yeah. how, how good you do, and how good you can
1: negotiate. But I think, I think, because from what I heard, um, I think, and this is this is pure speculation, and I have this is the birdies who's told me this, but from what I'm hearing. Uh Ronafalk makes almost double as onaro from Matrix. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. I don't oh. know if it's true. I don't know, but from what I heard, Ronafalk makes double from Matrix to compare okay. to Okay. All right. Um yeah. and I re- know Ronafalk is good at negotiating because he's uh he's a professional, you know. Mhm.
0: Uh one more question from the last question from Instagram. I'm gonna be really quick. Uh who would win the RC from DT RC racing? Who would win if there was an RC version of the head-to-head race of champions and cup of nations? I think we'd I mean so it's like two cars racing each other in a in the track. Like you, you ever seen that? They oh,
1: rally yeah, yeah, race. Cars. Oh, yeah, race of race of champions. Um I'd like to see uh like uh rc of nations that'd be really cool but i don't know yeah, like that's two cars side by side racing yeah, I, don't, I don't i that don't i don't that would take a lot that... of arguing
0: and stuff that we don't have we're gonna have to leave it for another day
1: yeah i think it could be a cool format at some sort of like big rc fair or something to have like a small track but i'd i'd have it rather that they race on the same track it could be a narrow track, but they race on the same track against each other. Because in RC it doesn't matter if they hit each other. Okay. That's that's why in full scale they race on different tracks. All
0: right. Uh up next, we'll have to tackle that another day because we have to get yeah. through these questions. We're running out of time here. Uh Roach RC in our Discord. Do you think the vintage or vintage style buggy racing could become a more popular class for 10-scale like full-scale RC racing? I asked this because Adam Drake is putting on a gas truck national. At HRCR next year in July, and some of the classes include the vintage brush and rear motor buggy. Um, yeah, I see that they're doing that gas truck na- nationals. It's not a fi- like a raw affiliated race at, at HRCR. I think vintage is going to stay vintage. It's going to be very niche. They have a many vintage races. They do it. I know in England they do like vintage racing as well. We have lots of re releases of the cars that are coming out, so there's more parts out there. But uh, I think. I just think it's just going to be another niche. Like, I don't think we're going to see a boom of gas trucks, even though I'm building an ignite RC gas truck and they're very good. I think you're going to see a boom of that because uh, it's just something that's not raced at a local club all the time or a local club race. It's, it's always going to be what's the latest and greatest. Vintage is nice, I have to say, good,
1: but I don't think it's going to be huge. I have to say, uh, I disagree. I think <laughs> there is quite a crazy amount of vintage out there i don't think it will be like a class that you know people are gonna be racing like i don't think anyone will fly over to a race to race vintage class but i do think there are enough people with rear motor cars especially with these new re-releases that we're gonna have some like like, you know, smaller events, Uh, you know, more like these fun style events that mo- yes, a lot of people can are agree holding. With that. Yeah, they are going to have it. That. All right. I can agree with that. So we have a couple of
0: YouTube questions. The One says Blue Groove Motorsports, the closing of more and more racetracks and ways to keep them going. Get more people. Yeah. You're, we're putting the cart before the horse. You, you can have 20 racetracks split between 100 people. So they're going to close. You need more people. Uh racetracks and he's asked then again racetracks and legal liability, liability liability insurance for racetracks. What can we do to keep the sport going? Well, join your local federation. Yeah, federation grow up, uh, encourage your members to have raw memberships. Go join raw. They have a they have a liability insurance that you can have. That's what you can do. Because he's American. Uh Kevin Mendez, what's up? Kevin Mendez, can you talk about silly season? We did that already. SIC, the SIC race isn't until I'll be there. He also he's now on S-Wax. He wants to know the S-Wax team looking mighty feisty, strong in 2024. Um, I still think that the best people on S-Wax are Juan Carlos Canas and Elliot Boots. Yeah. And I think if they come over to America, they'll be the best Americans. Brandon Rose will be good. Joe Bornhus will always be in the mains. We'll see what Camden Lime and Spencer Heckert does, but we'll see. Camden Lime can be good. He had a good year. Eckard is good when when he wants to be. You know, he can get some good results. And he says, lastly, thoughts on this weekend's USA Fuel Manufacturers Race. Mayfield for the W. Yeah, it was good. Um, Track looked really gnarly. And I heard some people say it's really hard. They had some really big windstorms that blew everything away. I will say this. That track looked super gnarly. It looked very hard. Two, I would have flipped a thousand times. Mayfield took the sweep. I think Ryan Lutz was there. Camden Law was there. Spencer Heck was there. Um, one.
1: huh? Yeah, one but the, so
0: in previous years, uh, Tim's that that race has had a, a very decent. You know, remember that time it was at SC, S C S S C R C and in and Tasman was there and all that type of stuff. Uh, it's it's the end of the year. I think it was also earlier, and it was in October.
1: Oh yeah, it was way in previous years. years.
0: Yeah. I think the turnout was a little bit light on the pro side of things. So that hurt it. Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, I think Ryan Lotts I think
1: probably his biggest competition there and I'm not surprised, yeah. you know? Yeah, but it was, it was very laid back race. I yes, felt yes, yes. It wasn't, it wasn't, I think as, you know, serious as it was before years before, even, even Tim, he kind of said that he was giving out a lot of, you know, money prices and whatever, mm. And it was more so just the end the year and a high, you know, for Yeah, it looked like a it looked like a fun race. Mayfield won all three classes. Uh it's
0: it's similar, like the four brawl. The four brawl that I attended was had a had a lot of entries, local and regional guys and people coming from the northeast. But the only real top pros there were Ryan Lutz and Cole Ogden. Like top pros. Mm-hmm. And Lutz just killed everybody. Um I, I honestly I was traveling, so I didn't get to watch much of it. So I, I I watched a little bit of the coverage. That's about it. But I think it needs to go back to the time that it was, you know. And I think Tim would agree, because it's like we're getting yeah, to the I end of the season, big, man. Yeah, we're
1: getting to the end of the season. Yeah. So yeah, and, and also it, the timing was bad because he was on top of the twelve scale world. I mean, that doesn't matter. It's not the guys that ran twelve scale; they weren't going there. But I think people just well, get yeah. yeah be- but I mean, I mean, like the people who be following the race, you know. Because I think people rather watch a world championship, especially like when you, you are think, there. I think all for <laughs> it people watch it all for it. Uh, really? I just think, yeah, really? yeah. I just think it's at the end of the end of a
0: long season, lots of races, and yeah, could be. and Brawl was like the official end of the year race, right? And mm-hmm. that wasn't yeah. well attended this year, and usually it doesn't get a whole bunch of pros, but it used to get like a born horse or you know,
1: coagden kind of yeah, line. It did did get more and more pros, but then the last two years, there was like Rivkin and Fend. He well, got, because like, it was raining out. Rained out. Yeah, it was completely rained out. So I think then all pros was kind of like, yeah, like, but why even go? The US Open looked like it was fun. They, Like I said, they had a big
0: windstorm. It took like, people's yeah. tents got destroyed and everything. The, I, it was, that track looked freaking hard. That's all I'm going to say. That track looked hard, but it looked cool. And um, congratulations to Mayfield on the sweep. You know, to, to yeah. that track was very hard. I bet you it challenged him. It, challenged, it seemed to challenge everybody. I talked to a few people that went there, and they're like, that track was hard. It was challenging. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for our questions. We greatly appreciate this. Um, I know we didn't get to all of them, but we tried to get to as many as possible. I think now we're going to go on to our quick recaps of US Non, Florida Carpet Championships, and Fall Roll and then i think that's going to be it for that today and that is brought to you by techno rc thank you techno for all the continued sport techno rc techno rc is a championship
1: winning manufacturer of high performance a scale 10 scale nitro and electric rc buggies and trucks with a worldwide dealer network usa and europe based headquarters comprehensive warranty program and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race proven vehicles by visiting www.technoRC.com.
0: And thank you, Techno RC, for all their continued support. So it's so what they just released their new one tenth scale monster truck version of the 1.8 that I have that I have finished. So check them out at TechnoRC.com. Tell them, Lefty sent you. And we do have some coupons. To give away for them next week on our Christmas show or whenever you listen to this on our Christmas show. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming up. All right, Max. So I was away. This happened. Dude, let's talk about Dawn, EOS Dawn, real quick, because I don't really was, know much about it. It was not it. in Dawn. It was in Han Munden. Oh, no wonder I'm looking up the wrongest thing. Yeah, You know yeah. why? Because i got, you know why? I'm sorry. I got EOS Dawn
1: 2024 because I know they had that's a uh, so many that entries. Was, uh, yeah, that was the race at. Uh, I apologize. Bonity. I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah, but I I can start. So actually, we should start with the Florida Carpet Championship. Okay, let's start with that. Was that was the weekend before. That was this weekend was before. this
0: was the weekend before. So I was fortunate enough to attend the Florida RC Championships in, uh. Beach, Beach at Beach Line RC Raceway. This is my second time now going to this event. Uh, I went last year where I just did interviews, this year I did commentary. It was me, Danny Paz, um, as well as Relance went and Gene Sharp went. Patrick didn't go this year, he had to go do another race or something. So, the, <laughs> this racer was absolutely stacked with European drivers. Bruno Coelho, uh last year was stacked too, but this year we had Bruno Coelho, folk making his debut with the X-ray cars, Orlowski, Jorn Newman, Miko Widemeyer, Kobovic, right? Um, and then on the American side, we had it kind of lacked this year. No Cavallari. I was shocked at that. No Mayfield, right? He wasn't there. He didn't come the year. I was there either. No Tasman. Was Tasman there?
1: I can't remember, but I think I think no no Tasman was How at Masters
0: of Dart and at
1: AMS. That's why I got confused. Yeah. I, no Tasman.
0: I think Tasman knew he wasn't coming. Um yeah. no Cav, no Mayfield, no like render connects. I'll tell you what, I was a bit disappointed with this race because it lacked a lot of the top stock drivers too. And that's yeah, sense. I, I don't This really year understand. didn't have as many stock drivers.
1: Yeah.
0: Last year we had like if I remember correctly, we had Love Yeah, we had we had quite a few. We had quite a few stock drivers. And this year, the stock field was not as deep as it was last year. But the pro field, modified field, was fairly deep. Um, Like the fast guys, are made, uh, who was there? Brock was there. Ben was there. Rifkin was there. Setzer was fast. All these guys were there. And of course, the one guy who ran 21-5, Raging Bull White, that was me. So yeah. I got to race at this race, and that actually happened because we was sitting off at we were sitting off at dinner. Me, myself, Gene, um, Danny and my buddy Dalton Hashberg and his father, they had come up to watch. And Dalton's like, You need to race. You need to race. I said, dude, I'm not racing. And he goes, Look, I will set up a 135, uh, sorry, a 215 buggy for you. And you can race it at this race. And I was just like, if, all right. I said, all right, deal. If watch McCallit says I can do it, if Chavez says I can do it, I'll do it. And he goes, I'm going to tell Chavez, put you in there and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. So if he says yes, I'll do it. And so Chavez messaged me a few weeks later and he goes, so I heard you want to wanna race 21.5. I said, I'll race it if you're cool with it. Like, I know I'm there to do a job. If you're fine with me racing it, I will race it. And he goes, yeah, man, let's do it. So I was nervous. I was super nervous. But this was, I think they got, this race also was a day long, I think, this year. So I think that kind of hurt it a little bit. It started on Tuesday, if I remember correctly. Let me check the, uh, mm-hmm. see, I'm telling you, like, I forget things so much now because I, I, everything's like a blur for me. But anyway, uh, this race has become, in my opinion, the unofficial carpet world championships because the amount of Europeans that come to this race and whatnot. Now last year the track was really lots of jumps, big jumps and lots of like um elevation and all that stuff. But this year I wanna say it was more like a European style track. Let us know what you think.
1: Yeah. We're gonna play this video and uh yeah, it's A1. It's, yeah I'd say it was probably more European style in sense terms- in the the terms of the jumps and so on, because it was more corner speed than Mm 90. It wasn't as, you know, rhythm section and flowing as usually the American tracks are. Um, But I do, I do have to say no matter the year, this like, no matter the year, this race has always had one of the most coolest layouts I've seen on carpet. For ten scale. Um yeah, I I absolutely like I like when I look at this race, I'm like, hey, I kinda wanna go race ten scale on carpet, <laughs> which like which I is love crazy, it. but I love ten scale high. on carpet. Yeah. So I just want to hit on
0: a few things. This was a great race. Like I said, we see Fenn, there's Coelho, Brock, Rivkin. Setzer was fast, but I'm gonna be honest, the Europeans Kevin were just fast there. at this race. Oh yeah, what am I saying?
1: You said I he, it, he said I forgot he was there. I no, sorry. AMS. See, these races are bleeding into each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't at AMS, but of course <laughs> he's running Tensco. Yeah, yeah, he so was running I think,
0: my,
1: I'd say uh, because I was thinking like almost every single top <laughs> modified guy was here. Besides Mayfield Riverside. and Tasman. Yeah, and Tom from R1. hmm Right? Isn't he quite good these days still? They he taste no, Chase Lemieux either i was shocked that he wasn't there yeah so it
0: it it was a few people the stock class was lacking a lot of the top stock guys i would I, say
1: i wonder if it's I because it's already. a flyover race for the midwest guys because isn't tom from midwest yeah but maybe just i oh he was i think he's moved. he was moving that's what it was okay so maybe it's just personal reasons but yeah, yeah it could but be like, that because this is this is a flyover race from those guys at Midwest. And from what I've gathered, like 10 scale is probably the biggest in there in that region. I do apologize. I, I had a complete and total brain fart about Cavallari.
0: Oh, he was there. That's what I'm telling you. Everything's starting to blur together with this, with five weeks on the road. Yeah. Um, but here we see Brock in A1. Uh, It was, so for me, it was exciting because one, I got this, I was getting to see Bruno Coelho race. On carpet offer of it, which I've never seen. Your Newman yeah. as well. And obviously I got to see. So this was the second race, so I got to see David, who I haven't seen since Portugal. And got to yeah. see him run in on carpet with his new rides at the first time as well. Um, and then it was, you know, it was a lot of people there that came up. Maybe I don't think it was as many entries as it was last year. Maybe a slightly bit less. And I think that's because they added one, it seemed like they added a day.
1: So they it, started on Wednesday. Right. I but, just checked, yeah. Okay, so I, they But I don't they know how it was last year. But they did open practice last year. I remember because I looked at it at the videos and it was just insane. Did they do open? See, this is my brain is bad. I forget things this, so this year this year I don't think there was open practice. No, no,
0: it was control practice.
1: Before. Yeah, yeah, but year before there was open practice. And that was like the line. I th- I remember Martin Bayer taking a video of the line and it was insane. So,
0: ah, okay. Well, that's that will also deter people from coming, but I think they just wanted to be a little bit more structured. So, Wednesday yeah. was like they did a so they don't they do a good job. Nobody sees this track until like they reveal it. Obviously, I got yeah. to see it. I was in there, uh, we are setting up right. Um, and this year the color scheme was black and gray. So, last year everything was turquoise and. Black, right so yeah. they picked and that's like a silver they wanted the Raiders gray, so I liked it when I stepped on it I was like oh man I like this track Um, I, I love that section of the track and I love these in this infield section so much it was like touring car almost like going through it. yeah it was so nice and then this little this big jump was if you just didn't line up properly it was hard yeah. uh, Chase from Racecraft coming over he was doing interviews him and Cody Thompson came those guys were hilarious Chase was hilarious on the on the mic during interviews, and obviously we were doing our our coverage with Elite RC Productions, and Lance was the RD. So this is the first race last year that I got to really meet Lance, and not meet him but see him outside of an RD, RD
1: aspect, and see how much fun it was to hang out with him. Anyway, uh like yeah, I said, but I, I like each uh, like carob and. Other top Europeans like the Hall brothers are watching this. Like they came last year. Go to this. Yeah, please this came last year. Yeah, they they came last year. But I think I spoke with Jona, and he was like really, you know, bummed that he couldn't go this year because he absolutely loved it the year before. So oh. I think I think yeah. this is the race where you know all like this should become like the carpet, unofficial carpet world, it's kind of like the yeah. neo. Yana now. made uh, you know, made the A main last year too. Oh, Yana is fast. <laughs> like Yona I'd say he's the third or fourth fastest, you know, ten scale driver in Europe. You know. Mm. So there's Ronafalk Falcon, his new Definitely. ride. It was weird seeing Ronafalk Falcon, his X-ray stuff. You know, I have to say one thing because I don't know if you guys have this, but Max Gotzle has almost the exact same paint job as David. But you could always tell yes. them apart because Gottschall has that X-ray sticker on his car. Marshall's but ready. now, luck, how the fuck are you gonna tell Max Gottschall <laughs> and David Runnafog apart on the track if they happen to be on the same heat? Oh my gosh! Hey, so anyway,
0: <laughs> that was a big topic there because him and run stuck with and that, with yeah. that new XLRM ESE, and That's the right, people yeah. from XLRAM were actually there.
1: Yeah, you're yeah, there. The whole really, family yeah. was there. Yeah, it's like a family. Business, I believe.
0: So I would just wanted to say that this race was even except well, well organized. We had everything going. Um, it was great to see a lot of people that I had met the year before as well as this as well at this race. Um I I was really happy to run race. I was so nervous when I got up there to race the first thing. And then after the first race, I was like, Man, I forgot how much fun it is to race. Like, I was yeah. not I never came off that driver's stand like. Upset, I, I really have a dude, and even when I did race, I was just smiling from cheek to cheek. I was even happy to be out there, turn marshaling, and I got progressively better. I, I think I ended up like starting second on in the B, and it was fun. Like, waiting, waiting in line to go up to race, talking to this guy, Sticks, uh, who is an English guy, he's the only guy there for Stick Radio. Uh, I think his name is Jonathan Bailey, I think his name is, and then uh, talking to, like Brian Shoemate and other people in my that were in there. Now, obviously, I didn't make the A main. I did have some glory in my single B main. I got up to second, and then I made a mistake on the infield, and I just had a horrible lap or two. And, of course, Lance was making me nervous by, you know, just staying in my name. But, dude, I I would say this. I absolutely forgot how much fun it is to hold a transmitter, go up there, and compete. And I love carpet. I, I liked it when I left the UK, and I love it even more now. I don't care what anybody says. But enough about me. Um... I didn't make the A main. Uh, Chase made it. He he decided to run out of nowhere, and he ran 21.5. And he made it, but he races a lot more than me. Um, and that was the first time I've raced in five years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and the first time I've even raced uh, carpet since, like, 2014. So I didn't have no expectations. I was joking, like, 21.5, carpet champion, her. No, yeah, I wasn't on those guys' level. But it was fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah. Had a blast. Um, so real quick, uh, Byron, uh, Martin Byer and and Matt Goxel were the toasted on the stock. They were them cars were so fast. People were complaining about Byer running running stock on the internet. I'm like, stock is another class, like e truggy, e buggy, or what them call it. It's not yeah. a, it's not a level class. I think the only one to take any victory from was Stackovitz. Jeff Stacks and at the event his interview goes I did this one for America had to get something but Max (laughs) Gotzel and and Bayer killed it in the stock class Bayer won both classes Gotzel second they were fast they were super fast and what I like about this race is they have a super pull as well for the mod class but like a super pull where you go there you do five lap warm up then you have five laps to do your fastest race and I'm telling you like everybody goes quiet
1: yeah now
0: I'm sitting just watching it. And I'm there like watching it because Lance is calling that and I'm watching it. And Orlowski obviously started on pole and I believe Coelho started uh, on pole as well in four-wheel drive. Coelho was just fast in four-wheel drive. But to go out there and watch these guys run at the utmost of the ability i learned on the track is amazing. Yeah, And the, the good thing about this is that we'll see that. We, we saw that later on. So Orlowski won two-wheel drive. I think he went...
1: I think he. see yeah, I I think he there. went one-one. Let me check. Yeah, I think he went one-one. He...
0: Let's go. I will tell you right now. Um, so many,
1: many.
0: so much racing. Yeah, Orlovsky yeah. went one and one and done. Coelho came second. Brock Chapman third. Uh, Dakota Fenn fourth. Spencer Rifkin fifth. Rana Falk was in sixth. He got. He just had. He, uh, your new Ranafalk like had a five, a nine, and a six. So two wheel drive, well, he did pretty good in four wheel drive. If I remember correctly. Your yeah. Newman in seventh, Cavalari eighth, Kobovic ninth, and Brandon Foot. Brandon Foot was uh your bumper opera, yeah, and he would drive very well. He he drove very well at this at this race
1: last year, and in yeah. so in four wheel drive, yeah, I have the results up. So Bruno went one one, mm-hmm. same as uh Michal in two wheel drive, but now it was. Orlowski uh, in second, and then Champling in third. Ronafalk actually he made a third and a third in the seven, but then because Champling won the last main, he just uh, got David, so he was in third. But David TQ'd round one, I believe, and mm-hmm. he was he was starting down in fifth, but he was really fast. But a little bit surprising, but Fend all the way down in fifth in pole drive. Yeah. Fen was okay, yeah. he kind of figured it out a little bit, but he wasn't.
0: Yeah. he wasn't now. Something I'll tell you, Refen. I watched Fen make the same mistake in two, two, two finals over that yeah. big jump. He jumped to the inside twice, the same way yeah. twice. I, he may, may have done it three times, it went way back. Lee Setzer was super impressive as well. He was yeah. fast, he hadn't, he hadn't, he was good.
1: Um, Brandon, yeah, so obviously, Sontag, was good. Yeah, Sontag was in full drive, Sontag was six. Cavalier 7, Rivkin 8, then Setzer and Neumann, the last one. But yeah, Setzer making the main. I think that's pretty solid from him in this crowd. But yeah, I think I'd have to say, like, Rivkin has had quite an underwhelming year this year. Ooh, boy. Would you say so? Um, um... I I just came up when I was looking at the results, and you can see, like, Cavalier in front of Rivkin. Yeah. But now that I think about it, like... I can't remember, like, Rifkin being that good this year. Mm. He's one, I think. He was top the five. Top. He's a top five driver this year. He's, yeah, there. he's still, like, he's probably still the best at AE from America. Like, But I think you'd expect him to, like. Really hunt for NFL stuff level. like this. Yeah, yeah. And even in 8-scale, yeah. I can't remember. a big. Well, he top. won Masters of that four-wheel drive, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, he's had good 10 scale yeah. wins here and there. But when you look at the worlds, like, yeah, I don't know. Just well,
0: not- yeah. In the end, it came down to Orlowski won two drive and Bruno won four drive, and it was a tiebreaker. Yeah. But how I loved how they did the tiebreaker, it wasn't about times or nothing enough, enough like that. They both went out and did a super pull run. So they oh, did. That's um, how
1: they did the time. Yeah, I Yeah,
0: yep. yeah. So what they did was they they same rules as Super Bowl. You, I Super Bowl. I think you might have had th- five laps, I and mean, we might have had three, whatever. But they had to go out there, and each guy had to do it. So each guy had to do two wheel drive and and thing. and dude, you could fucking hear a pin drop. Like that's how quiet people like the track got packed. Everybody's watching,
1: yeah.
0: and then like after they did a good lap, after they fit, after they did a good lap, people would clap. And like Orlowski, he killed it in two wheel drive. And then you could see Coelho was just pushing, pushing. And he would make a little mistake and he tried to come back, you think, it, and he just ended up not working. And um, if I remember correctly, I believe, yeah, so Orlowski won both of those and he ended up winning the Florida Carpet Championships again for the second time in a row. Then he, then he comes back like three weeks later and wins the World Championship. Yeah. Dude, Yeah,
1: and
0: I it mean- was awesome to have a Super Pool tiebreaker. Yeah. Super cool.
1: Yeah, but I think I think there's no doubt that Michelle Orlowski and uh Bruno Coelho are the two best carpet drivers in the world at this point point. Would, would it you, was would you dude watching
0: I Brock Champion was probably really fast too, but he just made mistakes.
1: Uh, yeah. Man,
0: watching watching Coelho and watching um Orlowski go at it. Oof. It was amazing, man. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, another, I want to shout out to another young kid. He did very well, McCoy. I think he won the independent class. I think it was. Let me let me bring it up. So him and his dad and his mom, they had this thing called Bombshell Racing. they were sponsors of it. They make little things and t-shirts, like retro, like these cool RC retro t-shirts. Not retro, but the Earnstyle. I got to meet them. There was a young lady who I met the year before, today, Jenny Roper, and she was there with her dad racing. She done really good. She made the A in, in four-wheel drive. See, Beachline has a very good club scene, too. So they have a lot of club drivers that come there. And, man, um, it was just fun, man. It was a fun weekend. We enjoyed ourselves. It was a fun week. We enjoyed ourselves. We were staying in the camper. Um. And it was just a good weekend. I was fun to get race. I want to say thank you to Dalton Hashberger and Chad Kaysen, who let me, it was Chad's car. He let me use it. I did not break it at all. And Dalton's like, you need this and you need that. Even BT came up to me and he's like, FD, come on, let me see your car. It was just like, it looks so twitchy. And he goes, you need to dial us on your steering and stuff like this. And I was like, all right, Dalton, dial us on my steering. I was just a, pro- I was a professional driver. I just went up, came down, <laughs> drove. My car was there every time I went to drive, and then I went back. I did my turn march, and I went back up to uh to do the commentary. And yeah, man, I wanted to say thank you to those guys for having me there. Uh, I would like to see next year more stock guys because I do enjoy the stock class, and I want to see the year before was very well stacked with stock, but probably just personally. Also, you had Cleveland coming up like two weeks later, so a lot of people went to that race. The Cleveland offered championships as well so it was a lot of race you had mod two weeks prior to that this race you know ams stuff like that there was a lot going on and man it is the unofficial carpet world championships and i think next year it's going to be even bigger like i hope we see yana car i want to see more i want to see that your favorite japanese driver go over there i want to see asians come over there you know all that type of stuff yeah. and race so i'm hoping that people do get over there. I know Danny Chavez, Robbie Michaels, TJ Bradley, they'll all be, you know, Robbie's the owner of Beachline and Chavez and TJ Bradley are the brains behind this. They take a lot of pride in this. It's, it's, they do it great and I hope that they get more and more international drivers there because this is truly, if you're a carpet racer and you like 10 scale, this is the race you want to go to at some point in your life. And um, I had a blast. Thank you to everybody. That sh- that you know, we just we just click, you know, like you just get to see people, they have fun. And uh shout out to all the young racers too, because there's a good bit of young racers up there racing. Like I said, this young young man McCoy, he did pretty well. I believe he won one class, they have a concourse class, everything, man. It, it's it's great. It's great. Shout out to Bombshell Racing and all those that, too. All right, I know we we don't have much time, Max, so we gotta go on EOS Dawn, real quick. Oh, it's not EOS done.
1: <laughs> yeah. What is it again? Well, EOS EOS Han münden. So the, I have I have the results in the notes you can see, um, but basically what happened was the following weekend from this race, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, the top three were the exact same guys as were at the Florida Carpet Championships, except. New Americans in between. And exactly, actually, it was the exactly same top three, too. So in Tool Drive, was Orlowski, Coelho, and drive was Coelho Orlowski. And Ron Falk was the third man in the podium in both classes. So the the mains were really exciting, though. I think, I think like in Tool Drive, uh, Orlowski did it in two, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But in Fall Drive, well, actually, in both classes, the winner did it in two, but um, it was still really tight. Like the first main, Ronafog led, then um, Koelho led, then Orlowski led, then Ronafog led again, and then in the end, uh, Koelho won it. But I think it was quite clear um, that you know Koelho and Orlowski were the most comfortable. But I do have to say, like Ronafog was surprisingly good. He was like very confident throughout the whole weekend. And uh he was um uh wait.
0: Oh yeah, I'm trying to bring up some video of it, so just go ahead, keep talking.
1: Do I have something wrong here? Well, what happened? So or wasn't second in full drive. Have I screwed something up? Ooh, you made a mistake. Wrong? Did I make a mistake? Oh my Let goodness. Yeah, I did make a mistake. So actually, it Ooh. was not, in fact, <laughs> uh, Orlowski. I don't know why I thought Orlowski was second. Orlowski actually was fourth. So it was Ongaro who ended up third and then Ronifog was second and fourth. Right. I forgot Ongaro so, went to this race. Yeah. So actually, this race was really packed. It had Ongaro, uh, then, um, all of the usual suspects from Europe, like uh, Jona, Kobović... um, and then like Northern Europeans, like London, and then Paul's son, uh, Elias Johansson. Then Kilich was here, uh, with Maya. Um, and one surprise name I think people missed was Canas was here.
0: And he was uh, even
1: there. He was there and he raised both classes. But I do have to say that in tool drive, he won the D main. Okay. And in four wheel drive. He finished 29th. So that's. Oh, he does not this race season. this at all. He does not race, but I, I still do have to say it was a, a little bit of a disappointment because, I mean, he's a talented guy. Maybe he's his driving style definitely isn't the best for carpet. But I, I do think, I, I hope he's going to race more, maybe practice more 10 scale and get into it because, yeah, Ongara was competitive the whole weekend. He finished. Uh, did I have the tool drive results wrong as well? What is oh, okay. On. I have I have messed up the notes. I think I mixed up um like the top two because both of those results I just told you were wrong, okay? <laughs> From the top three. So let me read out the full results. This is tool drive, okay? Tool drive was Orlowski, Kobovic, and then Koyalha and Ronafok. Then fifth was Martin, sixth was Tommy Hall. Uh, then the the rest of the main was really Swedish bias. So there was Johansson, Elias Johansson in seventh, Jessica Paulson in eighth, uh, Ongaro in ninth, and Alexander Landon in tenth. Juna made BQ and Kerup was second in the B. So not, not that good of a day for those two. And then full drive, it was, um, um Orlowski in fourth uh, as i said before but then top 3 was Goel Horner, for and then Jona was sixth oh sorry care fifth Jona sixth Zalewski the another polish young driver um in seventh then Tommy Hall eighth uh, Alexander London ninth and Daniel Kobovic tenth okay so uh, yeah
0: we're actually watching uh right now if you're watching this online we are watching Leg one of two wheel drive brought to you by our um by um oh man it's raceway uh, one sorry
1: M- oh yeah raceway one and uh you know who built this track it was Powell and then guys from Poland. Yeah Pavel is right now doing I think all of the EOS layouts. Mmm. It's very nice.
0: That goes really slow right there, too. Really slow in that section. Not as not as fast as uh as carpet champs was.
1: No, th- and I think that's that's the European style. So the tracks in general are not as like flowing. It's much more you know, much more like I'd say technical maybe, but mm. it's not. It doesn't have that sort of rhythm mm. sections and oh, that's uh, Is that our, that's our that's and Ronnefog. Yeah, track. that's our yeah, that's our Lowsky I think they're fighting for first, but yeah, the European layouts usually are much more technical. I think the layouts that Pavel does are in general more um, flowing, more of the American style. Oh, that was a nice pass. Mm-hmm. I think that was for going through. That was. But but um, the European carpet they use, the U.S. carpet, it's much thicker than the American carpet. So the cars sort of, they skate around a bit more. Uh, you can't really like go it doesn't give you the same corner speed it's scrub speed much more easy so you need to be more you know um careful with it and then you mm-hmm. have quite a bit of drive still so it's a little bit different style of driving but yeah awesome all right so
0: congratulations so arlovski won just so i know clear he
1: won yeah, four-wheel so- drive uh, Orlowski won tool drive with um, Kobovic in second and then Koelho in, in third. Okay. But then full More. drive was run Ronefok, and then Ongaro in third. Awesome. And also the one American that made the trip over there, Joey Fisher, went 13-5 and is in love with 13-5 instead
0: of 17-5 now.
1: Yeah, I told him. Wasn't it me who said in the podcast yes, last time round yes, that yes. you Americans should run 13-5 so then there's no issues with the with that now he loves 135 so and he's he's like the OG like he was on the podcast like preaching that opinion oh, preacher stock, yeah he's the pink Pinion preacher and even <laughs> this guy is like hey we are about to do something about uh, spec yep yeah, absolutely all right
0: um one more race to talk about uh before I, while i'm bringing that up uh i just wanted to say they also had um Scottish Race in Cleveland, which has been running for 30-something years. The I mean, it's not he's not had it for 30 years, but he's the one who organizes now and does the RD and all that stuff. It's the Cleveland uh, US Indoor Championships. They have the on-road version of it prior, one week prior, then they do it. It's do the off-road version next, it's inside of a hotel. Um so Kevin Heber won touring car and Sam yeah. Isis won 12 scale. And a lot of these guys who had the 12-scale were also at this race.
1: Yeah. And then, not, um,
0: yeah. So and much then much. in carpet was the following race, following yeah. weekend. And I have to give big props because this guy and his family put in a lot of work. And that's the Kothmans or Kaufmans. Eric Kaufman won his first big race, man. And it was great to see that picture of his mom. I think it was everybody hugging him. They put a lot of work in. He's good. He's a good driver. He runs for TLR. And I was so happy to see him in that race. Uh, he won two wheel drive and, um, Cavalry uh, won four wheel drive. And uh, I got to meet Heber at 12-scale uh, Worlds. He didn't have the best 12-scale yeah. Worlds, so he didn't. And Sam Isaacs, he he was there. And also, we did briefly talk about it, but uh, the US Open was the other big race that happened this past weekend. They had coverage from Mod. It was good. It was a gnarly-looking track. Like I said, it was more of a relaxed fundraiser. I've been watching a lot of RaceCraft videos because they yeah. did a lot of videos from there. It's like crazy, like skateboard punk videos. And, um, you know, I talked to various people there from that race and they thought, you know, the first thing they said, that track was hard and the weather was a little bit brutal with the wind, but we had a blast and, uh, Mayfield won it. He swept that, uh, as we said earlier. So congratulations to him. Great for him going out on a high at the end of the year. And, um, then the last race, sorry, the second to last race that I went to this year was, um, Fobro. So this was the twenty-second iteration of Fobro. It has been around now for twenty-two years. This is the first time it has been under our roof. We went up to this track in Lake Wacama back in August for the RC program race, and so they were having it up here. Now this track, this track was very weird. So we got up there. Uh we got up there on like the Wednesday, I want to say, maybe Tuesday. Late Tuesday, no, we got up there about Tuesday from Lances, and um, it was very cold. And for me, it was cold, and the track was super. They're just finishing up the track, so it was super. Um, what's the right, It was cold, it was very dry. That's the word I was looking for. It was not, um, you know, like. It wasn't, when we went up there in August, it was very hot and humid, right? So the dirt had a, a lot of uh, moisture in it. So the rather I'm trying to find it on. Why can't I find the results on these things nowadays? Hmm. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, um, lots on everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots on everything. Um. But when I got up there, it was open practice. So I, I had a little, so when we got up there, they just finished the track. I want to show pictures of the track. That's what I want to do. Um or video of the track, so Thursday and Friday, dude, this track was dry and very slippery. You know what I mean? It was super, like, um, it was staying together. So when we went up there for program, it started to fall apart because it got moist. It got humid and it was moist, right? But for this race the first day I drove, I drove my Alco for the first time, I drove my buddy Blake's car. And then I drove, I drove his, he also works on, uh, the Wilsonator, Wilson Coward's, uh, x-ray. Dude, it was so hard to get, this track was hard. It had like two jumps on the right. very end I couldn't even do them. And there was no traction, right? Because it was, the track was like, it had that fine dust on it. And it was hard because it was dry. Right. I mean, I was like, I want some prime fighters or something just to, to cut through the dark and dust like <laughs> that. Something. Anyway, I, I did get to drive. I looked like a squid out there trying to drive around. I'm going to bring up a video of it
1: here in a second, um, and yeah, then. But I I, I I saw I saw some pictures that there was like fog. Dude. It, it oh, was yes. like a, It was covered, but the fog was like so low that he was inside. You know, the dude. Covering. So it's like it
0: was cold Friday, cold Thursday, cold Friday. Woke up Saturday morning, dude, and it was humid, and there was a layer of fog all over the area. You couldn't even see. Dude, when I went inside that track uh, Saturday morning, you couldn't even see over her burly. I had no yeah. idea how drivers were driving their cars. <laughs> now, on the camera, it looked yeah. better, but um, her is in uh, the middle of the intermediate nitro buggy A final. Dude, this jump was so hard. And this is now the track's getting blown out, right? Because it's got moisture in it. And it's all lummy out her, dude. This jump was hard too. This jump was oh. on that angle. So Who that made jump the was layout? That. it, uh Brian Burnett made it. Look, this it got so rough through her, but they did fix the track every night.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: It looks nice though. The layout the layout was forward. nice, it was hard though. This that yeah. section was easy to do, but like the surface was very tricky for me. But I'll tell you what, dude, the racing was. Awesome! Like I lost my voice. uh My buddy Arthur was racing, like sportsman E Truggy, and he won that shit on the fucking very last corner with two feet to go. Like he battled with this guy to the very end, and it was just amazing. Like I saw some amazing battles up there. It was a lot of entries here. People were having fun. Many, we had a lot of people. How many people was there? Do um, I want to say two hundred and something entries. I, I, yeah, no, it was four hundred and forty oh. entries.
1: That's a lot. That's pretty good. I think, I think, I think this could be one of those future, like, good, like, races. You know, I remember Fall Brawl. Like, I was thinking, oh, I should go to that race, but I went to Springs thing and I really liked it there. Oh, this is a big difference from what
0: Fall Brawl used to be. Fall Brawl used to be high traction, attractive, and used to get rough. This is completely different. Uh, we had a big contingent of Northeast guys come down. I met a lot of guys and listened to the podcast. Omar o, Corey Williams. Dennis Brew was there. And it was just, dude, you had guys bumping up from like C-Mains to A-Mains, D-Mains to A-Mains. It was good. Like I said, Ryan Lutz and Cole Ogden were the only top pros there. Ryan Lutz was absolutely killing it. But it was good freaking racing, dude. It was awesome to watch. It was good racing on a regional level. And we just had fun, man. We, You know how many people came up and gave uh, the podcast some love and everything that we're doing on the coverage. And um, like I said, a whole bunch of Northeast guys. I must have been about 35, 40 Northeast guys came out Because this is yeah. the last guaranteed race of the year for eight scale. And as the track gets rough, some people love it, some people don't. I'm not saying that every track has to be high grip and stuff like that, but it's okay to have rough tracks. I want to say this is like a silver state. But with different color dirt.
1: Yeah, is, is the is the dirt just so like mm-hmm. like fragile or like it's it's fragile? not got that, that much clay in it. Okay, yeah, that's what I think because, like, for example, something like PMB it's like very sticky, you know. Red mm-hmm, clay. Not this. Well, this dirt is sticky when it gets wet, like uh, in the yeah, rain. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's it's not like uh, it's not it doesn't stay together, you know. No, 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 and it did stay
0: together when it was dry. Yeah, and then once the humidity got in the air, it was humid, and then just like it just stayed humid, like a sponge. It sucked in all that moisture and didn't stop. And you know what, though, it made for good. It was some good racing. Like I was watching this, and I think I was freaking out on almost every class I was racing. Watching this, yeah, it was good, man. Um, this this is just another blown out.
1: It's here. I
0: know. You got to go Greg Degani style, put Crime Fighters on or something big like that, and just then in alone. Yeah. Lutz was killing it, though. His car looked great. He he
1: did a good job. No, yeah, JoJo loves conditions like this, and like the way Lutz drives is he keeps it pinned. He likes to drive on the loam. You know? Speaking of hurry
0: he is right here. Him and Cole Ogden were having a good battle at first.
1: And then... um,
0: Yeah. It was good, man. I enjoyed it. Lutz's car looked great out there. Oh uh, Co Ogden had flame outs. He had some flame outs. This this jump was so big on the back, dude. It was like full send. And it's so far away. And those two hip jumps on the corner, so hard. I could barely do them.
1: Yeah. But oh, you,
0: oh. you know what's good is that people are getting so used to is that this coverage. Oh, your camera died. We had a line, we do these headshots, and people were lining up to get headshots. Yeah. Because they know. Alright, Um. so I just wanted to say oh, thank damn. you. Yeah, Jeremy Talent was just flying. He was a good talent marshal. Him and his dad are the guys that built the driver stand. Uh, Lucas Lauren and Brent and, and those guys really busted their ass fixing this track every night. Yeah. And um, they did. I think people had a lot of fun and I think this event's going to grow bigger. Her's JQ popping in, probably telling us to get off her in a bit. <laughs> You know, we, Venus is in here. We should bring him in her and talk to him. We're gonna we're gonna do our best of. Oh no, he's gone now. We gotta get off her soon because he's gonna be in her very shortly. Um, Fobro was good, man. Second to last race for me. Thank you for everybody that came up and showed me some love. Showed us some love. We greatly appreciate it. Um, he says I have two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: well um, I think I think we can do the best of with the uh, GQ um on the Christmas pod right yes absolutely we you can you can try to remember 2023 uh, all of the things of 2023 yeah. <laughs> he's always so positive so maybe he'll be good for the disappointments of 2023 part yeah um before I before I wrap it up her though I just wanted to say thank you
0: for Brent and everybody for having uh, us at Fbrol Thank you to everybody that came up and showed us some love. I got this from Jeremy Whiting of, of JW uh, Head Heaters. This is a head uh, warmer. It doesn't have the element in there. He just came up and dropped it over. Here's a gift for you. And um, it's a head warmer. It doesn't have the elements. Just you put it on there, put it on there, to like if you're going to break your car in or something. And there's a No Name RC podcast logo on it. It's pretty cool. He said when he's waiting for some elements, he'll get me one. And uh. Dennis Rue gave me one of his Nitro Caddy hats, but I don't have it. Met a whole bunch of new people uh from the south from the northeast. We had a blast. We had fun. We enjoyed it. And it was some great racing. So, five weeks in America. I had fun at each event. It was great racing at each event. Thank you to everybody that I met out there. I greatly appreciate all the support and all that you did for us, for us helping us get up there. I'm looking forward to next year. I don't I know for sure January's book. Peace of the East, uh, SIC, and then of course um, FRCC. After that, I know I don't know what's gonna happen. I think from March on, I'm gonna be very busy, and but I'll also be busy doing this. And uh, I think that wrapped it up. Seventeen events for 2023, Max. That's pretty good. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, and yeah, we we was gonna do the best of and stuff like that. And I did have a rant, Max, but that's going to have to hold off because, you know, I take bribes now, by the way.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You forgot. Yeah, I if forgot you, if you all want, about that. If you want uh, NNRC to do positive posting for you, you can send the money to Keaton's PayPal. That's right. All that money I'm making through bribes,
0: all that unicorn money. Um, but we'll talk about that in 2023 uh, or 2024. Sorry. Or whatever. Maybe we'll address it on the Christmas show. I don't know. We'll, maybe I'll address it on the lefties. Uh, lefties. Yeah, you, you off the record. That's,
1: maybe that's maybe I left you off the record.
0: Um, yeah. Max, thank you for your time. Enjoy your Christmas holidays. I'll see you for Christmas. Uh, If you guys are listening to this for the last time, have a good Christmas and Happy New Year. Tune into our Christmas show. But well, just in case you are listening to this, thank you everybody for all the support in 2023 for the podcast. Me and Max, we greatly appreciate all the friends that we've made all that good stuff, all the questions that you've asked, all the downloads and all that stuff. We're, we're, we're almost on our goal to 5,000 subs. We only need 200 and... No, we only need 370-something now. So 75 or 74. So please really? hit that notification. Yep, hit that. That's pretty good. 4,627. So please hit that notification button, that sub button, leave a comment, share, all that good stuff, um, and all that good stuff. Have a good Christmas. Stay tuned for our Christmas show. Thank you for all the support. Thank you to the NNRC squad around the world. Thank you to the patrons, uh, YouTube members of the NNRC who grow the extra mile. And thank you to these companies. Remember, showing the sponsors some love, shows the podcast some love. We have links for all of these companies in the written description of this podcast. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Cy Winer Fuel, Hot Race Tires, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Stacked RC, Donathan RC, Racecraft USA, Florida Carpet Championships, uh, um Ah, uh, sorry. SJ Racing, House of RC, RCGP, Elite RC Productions, shuttle out to our drivers, David Ranafalt, Jared Debo, Robert Battier, Alexander Heiberg, Matty G, thank you all for the support. We love you. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your week. We have a safe up and good into Christmas and Happy New Year. Max and Lefty, we're out. As soon as I find that uh outro. Max, you we're out for the whole,
1: whole year. We're out for the whole year. Say something nice before day you day leave, day. Max. Um... It's been a good year. Uh, lots of lots of nice things happened this year, and um, NNRc ha- NNRc has like like especially you, you know. Like before you was just some random podcaster, you know. You had quite a lot of listeners, but now like everybody knows and loves you, you know. Not everybody. I do have some people that hate me out there,
0: but I love I love the RC community. They are my extended yeah. family. And people are mixed on you
1: they love you or they hate you they love to hate you yeah but i think i think that's just the relationship people have with truth you know so (laughs) i think i think i'm at that level and uh yeah that's how it is good stuff thank you
0: for all your time man i greatly appreciate it uh safe travels up to the north of finland don't get attacked by bears reindeer or whales and um yeah you know i'll talk to you next week on the christmas show with that said Max and Lefty, we are out. We'll see you later. Where's that outro? There we go. Bye bye, guys.